to episode 76 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, then this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we're going to be starting our look at February 1988 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 34 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in the UK singles chart that month. So, Graham, tell us exactly what we can expect in this episode. In this three-star, all-inclusive holiday resort in the Costa de la Commodore, featuring an all-you-can-eat menu of eggy chips, bread, burger and pizza toasties, the Giddy Goon Fun Club for Kids with Bongo McGee and his comedy parakeet, Pippi, a feature paddling pool cocktail bar called the Angry Balloon, serving local beer El Drinco and a cocktail named the Married Fandango, and a 3-4am nightclub for adults called Sweat, with DJs Ryan Steele and Martin De La Fuego playing a mix of Wendy House and Bongo Techno of an episode. We test our moral compasses in the jungle as we battle through the crazy difficulty of the harrowing movie turned video game Platoon, push down for up and run for our space-suited lives in the samey Super G-Man, explore the hilarious fun-soaked life of an unemployed alcoholic from the north of England in the dreary Andy Cap, and scoot our blockiest tanks around a blocky maze looking for nuclear caterpillars in the tiresome life force. If you've not quite eaten enough mini bread rolls and butter with your sausage and spaghetti on toast, and can sense a bowl of profiteroles in your near future, we slip into our best rainbow disco pants and head to a musical maze on a quest for tunes in the somewhat eye-watering Beat It Jamming 2, dive once again into the multi-vehicular and facially obscured world of Matt Tracker in Mask 2, go on a genocidal rampage across the snowman and tree-covered landscapes piloting our experimental RP-216 fighter in Out of This World, before exploring the nearly brand events of the Space Between and Olympics in the worthless Winter Olympiad 88. As we drive our experienced truck down the motorway of C64 games, we know that some of the titles are just roadkill. We know that because we ran over them. You have to be cruel to be kind you know super 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 but before we do that yeah before we do that we must as ever at the start of a new month discuss the cover yes we must so yes we must issue 34 february 1988 it's one pound 25 or 7.5 deutschmarks to you it is it's a measly um 7.5 deutschmarks it reminds me of another cover that we've had with Zap. Um, uh, what, the Beachhead 2 one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, a similarity. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's obviously leaning towards the platoon game that we're going to talk about in this episode and everything else. Mm-hmm. But it's very similar to... Um, well, I think it is similar to that. It is. It's very it's very similar. Um, I hadn't twigged to that, but I'm just going to actually open that up right now, actually, and I'm going to have a quick look. That was 1985. I think that was issue four, wasn't it? Yeah, an early one, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. It's very similar colours, greens and yellows, just looking between the pair of them. Yeah. And interestingly, what what it isn't is an Ollie Frey version of the platoon image, the, the, the classic image, which we'll talk about again later, but... 
Mm. It is just, it, this is a GI that's been shot and it's, it's in kind of pain. Genericgi.com, I think. Are you sure? One. It's Barnes, isn't it? It says Barnes on his thingy, on his uniform. Yeah, yeah well, it, it might be Barnes because he's got the big scar on his face, of course. So it could be Barnes, but Barnes doesn't get shot in that way, I don't think, in the film. I don't think he's maybe. being shot. I think he's shooting. There's just blood on him. I don't think he's actually been shot. He doesn't do that in the film at all, at any point, though. <laughs> no. Barnes no. is a Tom Berenger character, isn't he? Yes, he's the evil evil maniac but yes he really is yes yeah yes 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 um so it's yes it's very yellow it's very green well not green it's actually it's blues more blues than greens isn't it it's more blues and yeah sort of very strange image greens. actually it's, it's well drawn i mean it's the usual amazing ollie Frey characterization of sort of agony and pain mm-hmm. i'm just not sure that that's the right character to choose for that kind of display of morality but there you go no it's a strange one all right but yeah I it didn't is twig- a bit weird i didn't twig to the um the notion that it was very similar to uh, episode four, issue four, sort of, yes, but it is very it is. similar. Yeah. It's even got the sort of people at the bottom kind of getting blown up as well in, you know, looking in pain and everything like that. Yeah, they've kind of pixelated them out of this one, which is odd. It is odd. I mean, uh, unless they're sort of going for like, you know, it's the film, but in pixel version. So I'm not quite sure. I don't sure. know. I'm guessing there's some kind of, it's a game. Or, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's an interesting, it's interesting. There's probably some, you know, heavy detail about all of that, but I don't know, maybe. But what else can we, if you were to read this, you could have won a compact disc ghetto blaster, Graham. A yes. A compact disc yes. ghetto blaster, courtesy of Hewson. Yeah, um, and there's a lowdown of Amiga software, which is, you know, it's always nice. Yeah, and you could also have got some signed Jeffrey Archer books from Domark. Yeah, Predator pull-out poster. I know. That's the kind of poster you want on you all, isn't it, of a disgusting crab-faced alien. <laughs> well, it depends what it's pulling out. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> It's the predator's pulling something out, and it's like, ooh, could be Billy. Could be pulling True. out Billy. No. I don't think anyone wants that on the wall. Anyone wants to pull off Billy and have a poster of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> no. No, they don't. No. <laughs> anyway, that went wrong uh, somehow. <laughs> That's pretty normal. Let's move on. That's the cover anyway. It's Platoon. Platoon is on the yeah. cover. There's also Platoon's mention of Hunter's cover. Moon, Match Day 2, um, being the big hitters this month. So we'll be getting into them in the next few episodes. But anyway, that's that. Let's move on. Should we? Should we get into our first game? Probably. I think we should. Let's move into our first game. And it's the cover game. Straight up, straight in. Graham, take us, um, take us on a tour of duty with Platoon. Michelle, uh, this is a copyright Hemdale, oh, sorry, Helmdale Films. That's the people that actually produced the actual Platoon film. The coding here is by Zach Townsend. You might remember him from Cobra. Um, you probably won't, but that's, you know, that's <laughs> what he did. Graphics by Andrew Slay and Martin McDonald. Title screen was Andrew Slay. Musician here and this is an important one, is Jonathan Dunn. So this is a game based on the 1986 Oliver Stone movie of the same name. The film, the first of Oliver Stone's Vietnam War film trilogy, which is Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July and Heaven and Earth, is a harrowing account of the moral conflicts, the morale effects and horror encountered by a platoon of young soldiers, in particular through the eyes of the soldier Chris Taylor, who in the movie is played by Charlie Sheen. And the whole platoon is led by, the whole squad is led by platoon Sergeant Barnes, played by Tom Berenger, as you said, and his squad leader, Sergeant Elias, which is William Defoe, as they work their patrols and missions near the Cambodian border in 1967, during, of course, the Vietnam War. The platoon is actually led by their inexperienced Lieutenant 
Wolf, which is played by Mark Moses in the film. But the interplay is generally about the notions of power, morality, insanity, and futility between the soldiers, the war itself, and their roles in all of that. It's based on the real experiences of Oliver Stone, who was the writer-director here, uh, who was, of course, also a veteran of the Vietnam War. And the film is well known for its harrowing and uncompromising portrayal of war, violence, betrayal, confusion, culminating in many iconic and horrific moments, including the moment the betrayed and injured Sergeant Elias is gunned down from behind when trying to escape the Vietnamese soldiers, an iconic image used on both the promotional material for the film and the title screen for the Commodore 64 game. Okay, there's the backdrop. I can never really decide, and it was a dilemma at the time as well, obviously being a person that saw this film, where a game about such a complex political and military situation as the Vietnam War would kind of sit in the great scheme of things. And and I suppose the message is the message here, and thankfully this game does not make light of any of the key issues around the war, but the jury is kind of out on whether the game based on the film that is based on real horrific events and the deaths is something that really serves a purpose. I, I, I genuinely don't know. And we'll sort of rattle around this kind of uh, notion as we go through the game. Mm-hmm. I guess it's probably a debate for another time, really, because there's loads of games that are based on war. Now, if we think of Call of Duty and a million other games around that. So I, I genuinely don't know where the morality of this game sits. But anyway, let's just let's focus on what the game is and what it's about. So the Ocean game is a bit of a mixture of different game types as you progress through. I think the notion here is to play through the levels inspired by encounters and scenarios from the film. As you complete the levels, you kind of progress through the story. The game starts in the jungle. You and your squad of men, five in total, are retreating from a stronger hostile force. I need to find and cross a bridge and then destroy it. Um, This sees you having to traverse the maze-like jungle environment looking for the explosives to destroy the bridge so you can then thwart the pursuit. If you're successful, you and your squad will then uh, set about finding and searching a Vietnamese village for a hidden tunnel entrance and a map to the tunnels themselves. Attempting to cross the bridge without the explosives will see you and your squad being killed by a Viet Cong VC soldier with a flamethrower. So don't do that. Duly noted. Duly noted. Each of your men has limited ammo and grenades, and you can switch between them with a press of the function keys on the C64. You control your soldier with the joystick, the fire button will shoot your weapon, and the space bar will throw a grenade in this first sort of level. As you progress through the jungle, you will encounter Viet Cong soldiers, obviously, who will shoot at you, and there's also booby traps and tripwires that you need to sort of navigate and avoid. Each hit on you reduces your platoon morale and is logged as a hit for that soldier. Three hits on any soldier and they are killed in action, reducing your squad and your morale. If all of your squad is killed here, it's game over. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sort of tackle the way the game plays, sort of level per level, because there's different aspects and different graphics and different things per level. So it, it, it so it's not one game, no one game type played over multiple levels. So the graphics, I think, for this level are pretty good actually, and with with a look and feel akin to a kind of combat school mixed with things like Rust and Target Renegade. Uh, you can sort of see the lineage of other Zack Townsend games in here, such as Cobra and Batman as well, with this sort of side-scrolling, sort of uh, horizontal scrolling action. I think it plays pretty well. Your main sprite is generally center screen with the jungle background graphics, which is lots of green and blue and yellow, you know, flora and fauna. Um, so that's the kind of environment that you find yourself in. The animations are pretty good all round. And there are some nice tricks, um, like going inside the village huts and the front wall are disappearing. So you get kind of a sort of you can see inside the building that you're in. That's quite a nice trick that. The UI is very simple with the top two thirds of the screen showing the game action and the lower third giving key messages and the general status of your ammo. In fact, that area kind of links it to the film a little bit in terms of what you 
read and what you see. Obviously, the general status of your ammo and the morale and the squad hits and score are all down there in the UI. The score, I think, seems a bit obtuse with a game like this, but it's a game, I guess. I don't know. We'll come back to this idea of this kind of the idea of a score being there. I'm not sure. I, I didn't quite get it. But anyway, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, the scrolling here in this section is all smooth. There's no issues really, and the in-game music is really really good. As with all the music in this game, Jonathan Dunn captures a sense of both melancholy and drive, and that's not very easy to do when you're creating this sort of thing. And it moves at a pace of urgency across the level. Remember, there's no sound effects in this game. Um, it's all driven by the score and the visual action that you play. Okay. If you make it through that level, and that ain't easy, let me tell you. The next level of the game will load, if you ever get there. <laughs> if. Yeah. Here, you and your remaining squad must navigate through a complex labyrinth of underground waterlogged tunnels looking for some key items, which are in fact a compass and some flare guns, and of course the exit. The game here is played out in a first-person type perspective as you scurry down the tunnels. Your view is split here into two. The left is your POV, showing you a 3D version of the tunnel as you kind of go through the passages. On the right is your map, showing you a current position and routes. The map is actually slightly bigger than the area you have on screen. So when you get to the edge, it kind of goes to the next part of the map. Some of the tunnels are blocked. Some of them lead to rooms containing supplies, which you must navigate while trying to find the two required flares minimum and the compass that you need. In addition to these items, there are also medkits, ammo and supplies, which you can use to heal and restock. Your path will always be challenged in this particular section by a variety of VC or Viet Cong soldiers that will appear and shoot at you. Uh, some run in, some jump up from under the water in the bottom of the tunnels, etc. And when they do, you get a crosshairs, which you control with a joystick to aim at the enemy and shoot them before they shoot you. In this particular section, you can take four shots, but you only get, uh, sorry, you only get two attempts at this level before it's game over. And the controls in, the, in this section are up, will drive you forward. Left and right will change your direction to the left and the right, obviously, um, or sort of look left, look right. And it's similar to Scarabaeus works, I think. And if you cro and when the crosshairs appears, you move it with your joystick and obviously you've got to sort of shoot with the fire button. I think the graphics in this section are very well conceived. They work pretty well. The 3D effect kind of works. The whole thing does feel very murky and like you're in a tunnel. It's kind of a sort of odd, dank effect to this in the color scheme and the way it works. It's a nice POV trick, essentially. Gives a nice FPS feel, and the enemy sprites, when they appear, pretty well drawn, and I actually think are pretty good. The level feels very, very claustrophobic, and the music, again, really adds to the atmosphere. So it's quite a nice... Section 2 is quite nice. It's quite, it's quite well conceived. If you escape those tunnels, and that's a big stretch, let me tell you, by this point. But if you do... <laughs> yep. And this has got... I think, is this, I think this is harder than Combat School. This is such a crazy difficult game, anyway. In fact, Townsend, what do you expect? His army moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His army moves, guys. So if you escape the tunnels, you're on to the next level. The next sequence sees you fending off a VC attack at night. With machine gun fire, the VC soldiers gradually sneak towards your camp. And here you must keep a close eye for their movement and periodically launch flares, the ones you collected, that will illuminate the scene. That gives you a chance to see and shoot at them as they sneak upon you. If you don't uh, shoot or spot them and shoot them in time, they will shoot at you. And again, too many hits. And you actually go back to the tunnel section in this, um, which is a nightmare, really, when you think about it. The attack keeps on going until you've kept the enemy at bay for long enough. And at this stage, out of all of them, I found this one of the hardest ones to do. Um, if you could even <laughs> make it through the other two. Something. Yeah, it's such a difficult game. I'm not sure that some of this is purely down to the movement of the crosshairs and the joystick, although that is particularly tough in this level. It's just generally tough anyway. The graphics are good here. They're a lot simpler than the previous levels. The idea of this works pretty well. And the illumination effect is quite nice, but thematically and at this point, 
it starts to feel like they're running out of steam. Anyway, complete this. It's on to the next level, which is the next two levels, really, which are kind of the same thing over and over again. So after you've got through the tunnel, the host- so the hostile attack is hardly overcome as you hear the radio that a squadron of U.S. Air Force is on the way to fly an airstrike with napalm bombs over the jungle area that you were located in. As it is impossible to call back the bombers, the only chance to survive is to find an appropriate shelter, but the whole place turns into a flaming inferno. There are two minutes left to find a way through the jungle to the shelter and eliminate Sergeant Barnes, who has lost his mind at this point and is responsible for the death of Private Elias, one of the good guys, obviously, from the film. Um, so, um, And I didn't want to really put a lot of spoilers in. You should go and watch the film, but I'll come back to that anyway. The blockages of barbed wire, landmines, snipers, and VC soldiers, which the jungle now teams with, thwart you on your when I say thwart, basically make it impossible. Um, on top of that, it's not clear which of the numerous junctions leads to the quickest route to the destination. And the compass on the right of the screen helps a bit to create a map, but the ideal way needs to be found by trying all the possible routes at the end, not be able to ever do this. And uh, and the ammunition, of course, is also limited. That's not my experience because I never got this far. It's so hard and genuinely next to impossible, I think. And when you finally eliminate the crazy Sergeant Barnes, his shelter out of which he, he covers with you, uh, with MG fire and grenades, needs to be smoked out by five hits with hand grenades. These hand grenades can be found directly in the area. See, it's, you've even got a, when you beat Barnes, and bear in mind, this is still within the two minutes. It's just it's just <laughs> stupidly difficult. If you win that fight against expectations, you ain't going to win it ever. <laughs> nope. Um, you'll be informed that you will be relieved from your obligation honorably due to your suffered injuries and number of successful missions. A helicopter is thus sent out to get you. So that's essentially the game. It plays over those levels and it's really, really, really difficult. I'd defy anyone to get through the tunnels, really at this point so anyway okay maybe people out there did i think this is an unusual game graphically and orally hourly this is a lot there's a lot going for it especially in the first and second levels i think the levels are i think more thematically linked to the film than uh following the exact plot which i don't think would be really possible anyway it does follow the basics of it i guess and I'm still unsure if this raises ethical issues or not. I like the first two levels a lot more than the remaining ones. And I think this is because you can see that they were struggling with what to do with some of it after those two levels. The third level actually is pretty weak, but very difficult. And the final levels are principally the same thing and incredibly hard. My personal feeling is that this game gradually becomes tone deaf and that the interplay of morality becomes more and more tokenistic. Given that you have a score count linked to the more you progress in the game, which means the more you kill. I'm not sure that the dynamic really works, as the killing of VC soldiers becomes more and more arbitrary and less morally challenging while you are still punished in terms of morale by getting shot. It doesn't make any sense in that way. I know, I I mean, I don't know if this game really hits the mark of what the film was saying, and that's kind of obvious, really. It's a game based on a film, which is quite harrowing. It certainly plays the mechanics of brutal conflicts as you run around shooting and being shot at, but it is a game and it's certainly challenging and it's a challenging license to take on, maybe even really an unnecessary one. I think the real hit winner here in all of this is the music, which is exemplary. Relative newcomer Jonathan Dunn has done an amazing job here capturing tone, mood and melancholy, which does at the very least lead you through the game and make the experience feel less like Rambo um, and more thought provoking. The presentation here is good and the hooks into the film do work and in combination might at least get someone to watch the film or consider the representations of conflicts, etc. I doubt it, but you never know, maybe they did. It is at least not wholly ghoulish, which it could easily have been. So I'm conflicted with this. I like the notion 
but not the implementation. I'd recommend everyone watch the film, though it is harrowing, and then um, that might set the tone for where this game sits in the overall thematic of, of everything. Outside of that, this game starts much better than it ends, and the graphics at times are genuinely brilliant, but also very weak. It's also worth checking out the music, but is this game a coherent whole? I don't know. It felt like it was... It started better than it ended for me. Um, and it's certainly, I don't know if it's tonally adrift from the film that it's trying to sort of portray in the license. Maybe it was a license that should not have been adopted and adapted into a game. But maybe I don't know. What about you? Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I agree. It shouldn't have been. It's like, why make a game out of Platoon? It's just, don't. It's of all the licenses we've covered, where there are games, there are licenses you can see James Bond, Easy, you know, make a game out of that. Robocop, we'll see the Batman games, all these kind of licenses. I get it. Be the hero, whatever sort of thing. Platoon, and then slap a score on it and slap all these things about killing, you know, real people for real conflict. And and I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I think the thing is with this is that it does then lead down into, as you, as you rightly noted, you know, subsequent games. And I personally switched off from a lot of those some time back the more realistic thematically realistic call of duty games medal of honor games i don't touch them very much anymore and then because i feel the uh they are quite jingoistic and they are quite you know gung-ho yeehaw america even though when they're trying not to be and also and also they're also trying not to be political but they are political and uh it just does my head in (sighs) it is what it is anyway let's let's get back to this uh yes it's another zach townsend game Great production values, you know, very good visuals, mostly throughout. But the first couple of levels probably stand out, and great music throughout. So that's all good. It's just let let down. If you, if we take it as a game, put all the other stuff aside. It's it's his usual stupid difficulty levels and unfair unfair happenstances that just happen on a regular occurrence that let playing this you know make make this more of a chore than it really should be. I'm getting through the opening jungle. It's not tricky to navigate. It's easy. It's easy to find your way around and move through it and find the explosives and stuff but there's just enemies dropping from a tree straight onto your head they leap over your bullets and into you you take a hit every time and sometimes they'll spawn straight onto you when you revive and you'll take another hit tripwires are sometimes hidden behind scenery and if you hit a tripwire it's instant death none of the three hits or three or four hits here it's instant death for that marine which i get obviously yeah okay but it feels unfair it feels punitive you know like a lot of zach townsend stuff does then we have the tunnels it's a good attempt to do a sort of proto-doom or maybe some Eye of the Beholder, shall we say, type thing. Um, and it's technically, you know, get me wrong, this is the, the tunnel sequence is the, is the cleverest. It's the it's very clever. But again, design yeah, it's decisions... the best bit, I think. Yeah, design decisions. But to play it, design decisions let it down. I don't know why they keep sticking your cursor to the bottom of the screen when they yeah. when you're moving no, and no. then spawning enemies near to the top because it, it takes ages to get towards them and invariably you'll get shot and that's put just leave my cursor in the middle or leave it where where it was just change the controls to push him forward to move i don't need to move the cursor that just leave it alone i don't know why they're shimming it down the bottom the nighttime section yeah it's boring flaring up flares and picking off the enemy as the edge towards you but again you noted it's that old issue of joystick control crosshairs. It's just yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah. You can't it's, move. It's not good. I don't. I didn't like the last half of this game. You can't move fast enough to get across the screen half the time to get, get get shots in when you get about three or four appearing at once across the screen. Same problem we had in um, Living Daylights. Similar sort of thing. So it's this problem. And like yourself, I didn't get to that last section. I'd kind of given up trying by that point. There are some interesting ideas here. And as a 
portmanteau collection of different types of gameplay none of them are, are bad there's some problems with each of them but you know if you kind of put them to one side but it, i don't know i didn't i didn't find it that much fun to play and i don't know it's tricky it's punitive it's very nice sprites very nice music but it just has those usual issues with these games and i also think that as you have pointed out and rightly said and i said at the beginning there the notion of platoon as a video game colors my approach to it it's it's problematic isn't it i think it is I, I don't, it's not my imagination it is a problematic thing i think i think it is yeah more so than you know i have like i said i have issues with my recent call of duty games which and medal of honor games and things like that i don't play them anymore give me sci-fi shooting stuff aliens in the future whatever and i'm happy because it's not real i can handle that but when you put these kind of things where people really suffered and really went through hell and everything like that, i get a bit like oh, this is my entertainment films approach it in a different manner you watch platoon you you've, there's no Enjoyment's not the right word, is it, with Platoon? It is, you know, it's a harrowing watch. And I guess that's what Oliver Stone wanted. But you're playing a game for entertainment and there's a there's a pull and a push here and I, and I don't think this quite works. I don't know. I mean... It, it was the notion of the score that got me. I'm thinking, I think hang you, on a minute. Yeah, you're right. Hang on yeah. a minute. That, 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 that should not be there. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Getting Having a multiplier, having a score go up for the, the more Viet Cong issue. It's kind of weird. Just survive would be the point. Take the score out and you may, yeah, you may have a yeah, point. Yeah, but, yeah. You, but, you know, it's 1980s video games and they've got to have a score and things like that. And I suppose, you know, we look at things like Green Beret, which is fantastical but stupid, but whatever and and you have to kind of squint and you can pull arguments like this in many different directions but i don't know platoon for all its good qualities in the fact that if it was you strip all this out and put it in another game you probably have a much better title where you probably be more forgiving of it but because it's in platoon it's like oh it's just i don't know i couldn't i couldn't get on with it tickled me the wrong way should we say? No, I agree. I mean, the film is a, a big question mark over the morality of humanity and people in conflict. Yeah. If you add a score count and running around just arbitrarily killing everybody that moves, kind of defeats the purpose of how that might affect you morally. And I think the game does not tread that territory very carefully at all. Yeah. I mean, there's recent games like something like Spec Ops The Line, which actually questions why people play these kind of games, these kind of shoot at war games and things like that. And for those who haven't played it, if you if you do like modern games, then Spec Ops The Line was a 360 PS3 2010, 2011 game. And I recommend you actually have a play of that because while it may look like a standard third person over the shoulder shooter, it's actually a treatise on why do we play war games? It's a very good game as well. It's quite interesting. It's quite, Which is what this quite purported to be, I think. I think in its in its attempt, it's not though. And maybe it couldn't no. be back in nineteen eight, you know, nineteen eighty eight on a eight bit computer. Which then begs the question of why do it? Well, that's that's my big debate. Really, is that this probably should never have been. It shouts that a film came out and a license came up and Ocean were you know, milking licenses at every turn, and this was just a, a film that was popular, so license game inevitable consequence not a good thing not a good idea no no it's not here we go that's platoon got 94 percent though in the magazine they loved it no they loved it they raved about it but they did they've never been to nam what do they know that's not nam right there we go that's platoon um let's move on to something not quite so heavy And that is a budget title. This is, Graham, Super G-Man. Woo! Yeah, well, what can one say about Super G-Man? Anyway, let's just, what, what does that name mean? 
Does, what does G stand for? It's gravity. Why is he super? Do I think it is gravity. Is it super gravity man? Or is it the, the guy from Half-Life? He was a G-man, oh, wasn't he? Yeah, it could be. Or some uh, kind early of gangster. Adventures of uh, Half-Life guy. Whoever he is. Why is he? Anyway, it's none of this explained. It's a, uh, You've got very rudimentary instructions that accompany this. And when I say rudimentary, I mean rudimentary. Uh, you've got to traverse 10 levels of the lunar landscape. You have to find the base in each one and fly into it. Just fly into it. To be transported to the next one. If you go through all 10 levels, you can escape. That's it. You've been trapped on the moon or something, I think. I don't know. There's not much to this. Um, why are you here? What What are you escaping from? What is any of this for? Questions like this are not for Super G-Man. Those kind of questions are for other games. Games with fancy pants stories and rationales for their being. Super G-Man cares not for them. All he's bothered with is flying fast, using his jetpack and shooting stuff. Super G-Man is a man alone. Super G-Man is also pretty crap. But, you know, we'll get to that. Uh, this is from the mind of Mike Clark. Not, not the Mike Clark, is it? It's a different Mike no, Clark. No, different Mike Clark. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's got music by Mr. David Whittaker, which even by Whittaker's standard is, this is really half-assed and pretty bad, the music in this. This is not a great outing for him. I found this a joyless, pointless exercise in futility. Personally, Super G-Man. You control Super G-Man. You are a single-color sprite, a jetpack kind of guy and your job is to blast from left to right and find the base in the level that's it really that's all you got to do some shooting there's some things to pick up you have to find it you got to find it within a time limit um for the time limit runs out it is game over for super g-man he will be super game over man super g-man can collect two things more fuel for the jetpack and some bullets with which to shoot any enemies that may beset him because super g-man is rocket powered controls our left and right to speed up and slow down fire to shoot and down to thrust upwards yes down to go up complicated stupid very stupid i'm not sure why this is not up to thrust upwards um i don't know maybe super g-man cares not for standard controls maybe they were trying to simulate some physics in that blasting the jetpack downwards will force you upwards whatever the reason doesn't work not really because your brain don't you can't you know when you need to go up you press up and don't do anything a collision with the hills of the landscape that scrolls beneath you or any enemies or landmines will kill you instantly uh, and whilst you have as many lives as you like each collision uh, will whittle 10 seconds off your time so too many deaths um, will lead to the end of Super G-Man. The UI at the bottom of the screen shows your score, the high score, the amount of fuel left, and the amount of ammo. Um, and the action, the game action takes place in the you know, top three quarters of the screen, UI at the bottom. It's your standard usual affair. It's, it's arcadey, um, and it's pretty simple. That's about it. There's nothing. There really is absolutely nothing worth playing this for. It's a game way out of time. It feels really simplistic, for even for a budget game at this point. This had come out in 1984. People would have probably liked this, but even by 1984, we'd had Hero. And Hero's about a guy with a sort of jetpack thingy, but he's like, you're exploring tunnels and caverns, and we, we, you know, we espoused how good Hero was when we, came, when we came across it. This has none of that, and this is four years later, four or five years later. It's, ru- it's rubbish. Uh, it's 1988. Things like Kickstart 2, Thrust, Spore, Hero, Park Patrol, they're all out at budget price. They're in the world. This is really simplistic, and it wears thin very quickly. There's very little, if anything, to bring you back for more. Super G-Man, it got, what did it get? It got 23%. Mm, that's being generous. There's very little game here. And then the controls are pretty crappy. The graphics aren't particularly great. They're a mishmash of multicolor sprites, scrolling backdrops, flat terrain. Uh, it's just a bit of a mess and with, um, with awful music. No, it's a Codemasters game, isn't it? And I think this is a, a poor, poor showing from Codemasters. If I'd have bought this for even for two quid, I would have been very sad. This is not a Sunday afternoon game. This is a you know Sunday best draw game at the very you know the very best I can say about it. What about you? Did you enjoy any of your time with Super G Man? Interestingly, I had a bit of a different experience with this. How weird is that? 
I found this, obviously, it's a really simple game, really daft controls, kind of in a weird moon buggy-ish kind of vibe, you know, its own kind of logic. But this is unquestionably similar to Jetpack Joyride in many, many ways. Um, and yeah, okay. it may be a simplified version. So obviously, you've got to get the end of the level in time. You've got to collect stuff. You've got to avoid the enemies. The graphics are not going to set you on fire, obviously. Very simple sprites, basic sounds. It's all very basic, but... It's kind of pretty addictive. And <laughs> oh, really? There, I, yeah, I and, and there's you know, it's it's there's a couple of easy wins in this. If you die in the game, you start from that position, okay, and it takes no time to master. So you kind of want to do a bit, a bit better. If you took the timer away and added collectible coins and upgrades, well, you'd have Jetpack Joyride, and that's one of the most successful modern mobile games of all time. So I kind of I think it kind of shows that this is perhaps just a game with some of the logic that's just simply too far ahead of the time. Even the price is oddly ahead of its time, given the nature of the game. This was a mobile game at one ninety nine that had all of that stuff in a kind of vein of Jetpack Joyride. It wouldn't, nobody would question it. I think that just, if you took that timer off, because of the way the graphic works, even when you run across the ground level, this this had such a vibe of games that are mobile friendly later on. So I think it's perhaps punished for being too simple and just, I think it's just not... The world's not ready for this kind of game at this point, and the timer is stupid, and the controls are crap, and all that kind of stuff is bad for this. But put this put this game on a mobile a device. <laughs> put this game on a mobile device 20, 30 years later. Simply take away the timer and add the idea that you're just collecting coins so you can upgrade your jetpack, and you've got Jetpack Joyride, and the graphics are very similar. I don't mind Jetpack Joyride. I, fa- I quite I found this quite addictive for a two quid game. I know it's got 23% in Zap and it's nothing amazing, but for some reason I find it pretty compelling to go out and go out again and again and again. Weird, weird, I don't know. But I like Jetpack Joyride, so I'm, I'm kind I mean, of I like Jetpack Joyride. I just thought that this was, I, I didn't get on with this. I can see what you're saying. And I, I guess there is that element to it. I think it you know, may have been better if it had taken, I just found the sort of logic to it, the tr- trying to find that base and just flying into it. and Yeah, it's stupid. And, and, and stuff. But it's it's two quids worth of stupid. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think that... I just think that the way it looked and the way it played and the way it's very, very, very simple and basic. But if you stuck this jet side by side with Jetpack Joyride and just it's it's two minor tweaks and you've got principally the same game. I found that really interesting. If they took away the ability to um, took away your movement speed control. And I found the, the downward thing to go upwards. I don't know why, but I found it perfectly acceptable. <laughs> All right. No, I found it odd. I want, it, didn't, I, it, didn't, it didn't, which is odd because you're normally a, a bit of a... You know, upside downy, back to fronty joystick person. For me, I found it perfectly okay. Once I got used to it, I was okay. I don't know. I, I just, I didn't hate this game. And when I, I started playing it, I kind of did. And then when I kind of realised what it is, which is just a very in a kind in a, we've played a couple of games. There was a game a while ago where I hated it, and it was just a game where you were just doing the same thing very quickly over and over again. You died and you did it again. You died and you did it again. I can't remember which one it was now. What, Hercules? Um, Yeah, it might have been Hercules, something like that. And and it reminded me of that kind of logic. It was just like, you know what? I died, I'm going to go for it. I died, I'm going to go for it. I died, I'm going to go for it. And because you start exactly where you left off, Mm. uh, it has a mobile game mentality about this. It just genuinely does. And I think that's, you know, experience later down the line of playing games like that on mobile devices kind of made me think, actually, you know what, I I could play this for a while. And I think it's just a mindset change. Back then, Zap didn't know what the hell a mobile game might be and... And wait, if I'm sort of a bus stop and I just want to quickly dive into something. But nowadays, my uh, my thought processes are a bit jaded by it. I think I think actually I, c- I could probably play this on a mobile device. So yeah, 
I get it. I think you need to change quite a lot, and you need to obviously build a lot more. I think the problem is, is there's there's just not a lot to this. No. In, in amongst like not in just the, kind of the mobile sort of mentality, but the ten levels are very. There's no change in whatever what you do. It's just I don't know. It didn't it didn't no, appeal to it. me. I get it. I think it's just horses for courses. I I didn't hate it. I think that's the the key thing. I didn't hate it, and I think I just. When I played it, I was just like, I've played this kind of thing before and I didn't hate that either. So weird. I know it's weird, but it isn't a great game. It really isn't, but it's two quid as well. And I'm thinking, you know what? If I'd have paid two quid on a mobile device right now for a Jetpack Joride variant that had this kind of logic, would I be complaining about it? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. All right. Well, there you go. Super G-Man splits the the zap to the past team. Who knew what Super G-Man could do? Let's move on (laughs) anyway. Got another guy to talk about in a minute let's move on to him shall we Mm. and graham we have the full price adventures of miss one mr andy cap we do this is developed by blitter animations i don't know what that means or who that is but the coding behind this is tim mccarthy the graphics are nigel brown the musician according to the game is music on design apparently that's somebody called jason c brooke according to lemon i don't know if that's all the same person and by the way just as a note and a bit of a uh you know a cards on the table the original game had some bugs which was some flickering of some of the sprites and there was some crashing as well the version that i played which was a remember um version had those bugs fixed so i played a bug fixed version of this just so you know Andy Cap is a British comic strip created by cartoonist Reg Smythe. It was in the Daily Mirror and the Sunday Mirror newspapers from 5th of August 1957. Originally a single panel cartoon, it was later expanded to multiple panels. Andy is a working class figure who never actually works and lives in Hartlepool, which is a harbour town in County Durham in northeast England. The comic strip plays out multiple scenarios from a series of locations, principally the pub, the street, or the inside of the Caps residence at 37 Durham Street, and Andy and his wife Flo are always on the verge of poverty, with Andy not working, claiming unemployment benefit, or the dole, as it was known, and getting drunk and generally being something of a layabout smart mouth. Though somehow much loved, I'd never found it either funny or interesting. Indeed, some of the themes, tones, and messaging over the years would now be considered pretty toxic. Either way, this is a game based on that character and cartoon mm-hmm. strip. Okay, According to the blurb, it's Monday morning and Flo is demanding your doll check. If you're as big a skyver as Andy Cap, you've got a real problem on your hands. You'll need every ounce of your northern charm to find out who has made off with it. That's your doll check, so it's been stolen, I guess. Extracting helpful information from your friends will take a drop of Dutch courage, which is, uh, in modern parlance, booze. But neither of the pubs will give you credit. You have to use whatever's left from the last doll check to buy a paper, check the racing pages, and slide off to the bookies hoping for a winner. From the comfort of your own armchair, you can punch the rent man, scrounge from the barman, blow kisses to your girlfriend, try to sneak off with Flo's handbag with no danger to your lazy self. And in the words of the game, Box, Andy Cap is a fully icon-driven arcade adventure featuring all your favourite characters from the cartoon strip, including Andy, Flo, Chalky, the rent man, the barman, the policeman, <laughs> and more. Exciting. The further adventures of the case inlay say... It's Monday morning and you're in a flat spin. Flo's demanding your doll check. She'll be off to her mother's if she doesn't get it soon. And who'll do the washing up then? It sort of seems to lose the idea that the it's lost a little bit in the in the text, I think, that the, your check has been, your doll check, your unemployment benefit check has been stolen. Um, Zap mm. obviously mentioned that, but it's mentioned in the first blur, but not really in the second one. 
It says again, you'll need every ounce of your northern wile and charm to raise the cash to survive one way or another. Uh, sorry, raise the cash to survive one way or another. Maybe you can extract a quid or two from your friends or try your look at the horses. But whatever you do, steer clear of the rents man and local copper. They're both after you with a vengeance. Watch your favourite cartoon characters come alive as you duck and dive, dodge and weave your way through a week in the life handicap. So that's the inside inlay of the cassette. Okay. Exciting, isn't it? All that. Mm-hmm. Exciting. It's not, though, is it? Nearly. It's not <laughs> at all. It's not. So the game then. In the game, you have a week to wander around interacting with people and places, looking to raise the sufficient funds to appease flow and find out who has indeed stolen your doll check. In order to ease this process, Andy needs to be drunk. So you need to head to the pub for a pint and become sufficiently inebriated to gain the Dutch courage required to ask those pertinent questions. Your drunkenness is measured by your alchemeter displayed on the screen. As you wander around going in and out of places, you will bump into some of the familiar characters from the comic strip. You can choose to talk, fight, uh, talk or fight using the icon action buttons on screen. And uh, some of the characters, the police rent collector, are after Andy, so you've got to kind of avoid those. You can also bet on horses to try and raise money, but there is always the risk of losing your money. You don't start with a lot. I think it's £8 you start with. £8, yeah. If you fight, you stand the risk of losing your wallet, and you also end, can possibly end up in court eventually and having to pay large fines, none of which is conducive to you finding your doll check or the money for Flo, your wife. In the order of the game, you can blow kisses to stop the other non-player characters in the tracks, but your kisses are limited. If you run out of your kisses or if you run out of your alchemeter, 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 um, yeah. alchemeter yeah, then if it goes empty, that's it, game over. The icons across the bottom from left to right, you have a wallet, where you can move money in and out, you've got you can choose to speak and use the controls of this is stupid, but you can you can basically use these icons across the bottom of the screen to interact in a kind of crap point and click. So it's it's another pointless and click wanderthon. Um, so you can choose your wallet, you can speak, so you can have conversations, you can fight. You want to fight, and there's action commands, which is pick up and do things and blow kisses and turn to enter buildings. And it's just what's the, it doesn't matter what you can do with your icons because the game's shit. Anyway, so the graphics in the game are pretty much driven by the comic strip aesthetic. There are decently well-drawn and animated main characters on the whole. Um, The backgrounds are very, very simple, very black and white. Again, trying to capture the aesthetic of the comic strip, and I guess it kind of works in the context of the game. But it makes for a really dreary gameplay experience. Indeed, the key issue here for me is the thematic of the game. Playing a drunken, unemployed layabout, scrounging for money and getting into trouble with the police seems like a really obtuse formula for a fun game. Add to that the dull, colourless game environments and awkward situations, coupled with the icon controls, and it ain't no treat to play. Um, The music doesn't help with a dreary, and I mean dreary, rendition of um, Antonin's uh, Dvorak's uh, New World Symphony, so the the Hovis theme. <laughs> Which is what I've referred to it as. <laughs> yeah, the Hovis music. This it glumly draws its way to your ears as you plod endlessly around this bleak, colourless world. It's depressing. This game's depressing, all said and done. What it tell you what it isn't, fun. It's no fun for this. And and while I don't get the jokes of handicap anyway, this game neither entertains or enlightens. It's a dull game about a dull thing made in a dull way with dull graphics and dull sound. It's dull. And I did not like it. <laughs> any item of it. What about you? Yeah. What a what an odd what an odd thing this is. This must be the singularly most depressing game I have played for the podcast, without shadow of a doubt. 
I remember the handicapped comic strip and the short cartoons, and it was you know it was supposed to be a bit of working class laugh. But playing as Andy in a life on the doll simulator in a dreary grey northern English town is so bleak, so so bleak. I don't think there's anything wrong with the game as it is. I mean, it's like you said, it's a wander around, do stuff with icons of thorn, so and it works, I guess. I thought the animation and graphical representation of Andy and various characters and the world itself, I thought they were pretty well done. They were actually quite a, a, a really good facsimile of the comic strip. They look good. Andy's well animated, and they've really captured the look of the cartoons in the comic. By God, it's depressing. Wandering around the streets on a grey Monday morning with £8 in your pocket, waiting for the pub or the bookies to open so you can try and work out who stole your doll packet. Christ on a bike. In the middle of the 80s, this would have been like holding up a mirror to so many people in society. <laughs> yeah, there's, boring. There's, there's long stretches of the game where you do not see anyone. Just trudge tr- tr- around the grey streets while that tune, the Hovis tune, burbles along in the background and the awful moribund emptiness of this kind of existence is almost too much to bear. To top it all off, the game ends when you sober up which is what I took that to be. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, because becoming much. sober and realizing the futility of his existence is the end of Andy Cap. Only by staying drunk and, you know, inebriated and unaware can he keep on going. I was not sure what to expect with this, but the, yeah, the most <laughs> depressing thing I have played in some time, and not because it's bad, but because of what it is and what it's about and what it's like to be an unemployed alcoholic whose only solace is in gambling and drinking. Yeah, bleak. Totally, so yeah. bloody bleak. It's yep. all grey. It's all depressing. They're just... Long it's not funny, were... though. It's not. It's no, what, no, no, give, it's give not. me, a, give me a good example of funny from it. There isn't. There isn't any. I got in a fight. I got thrown. At one point, I got thrown into jail because I couldn't. I didn't have twenty pounds to pay the fine. It's like it's just awful. It's just a weird. I don't know. It's you know. It's like if they made a film. It's like I made a game about Yozzer use Made in eighties. You know, bleak northern working class. No job. No prospects. No anything. Stay drunk because it's the only way you can bear up to life. I mean, Christ, how how did that pitch get through? Yeah, and this is not a character that is like a massively warming character that you kind of warm to. Back in the day, uh, Andy Cap was a pretty violent wife-beating for misogynist so yeah he was and i think he was he, and didn't wasn't um to some extent i do believe that sid the sexist in viz was based on the yeah, sort totally. of handicap um style of like the thing like it needed there were there were there's some of the earlier comic strips obviously it changed massively over time as these things do hmm. part of it was that he was in trouble with the police because he was a wife beater and a violent person yeah. It's a really strange thing to make a game from, all said and done. It really The second is. strange thing to make a game from in this episode. I know. Another bleakdom. God, this is, yeah, weird. So weird. I, I came away from this going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know what to make of it, but... Does not do a lot for the tourism trade for the northeast of England. <laughs> 1988 one. Come here, it's grey. People get in fights and get drunk just to actually exist. Yeah. <sighs> wow. There you go. Episode 76. <laughs> Moving on a high. Heavy. <laughs> Indeed. Let's move on. We've got one game left for this section. Hopefully, it can't be any stranger. Let's, let's have a look. It's not as depressing as that, I'm no, sure. No, it's not. It can't be. Let's move on. So let's have a look. Life Force is the next one. I was wondering whether this one was going to be based on the film. I really it's was not. when I saw it. Thank, it's thank not. God it's not. It's- <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be a lot more boobs in it if it was. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it's not. Anyway, 
Lifeforce 995, nuclear-powered, flexible robot caterpillars. What could possibly go wrong with that idea? Everything could go <laughs> wrong with everything, that. Everything. Nuclear-fueled, flexible robot caterpillars. Let's say that again. Nuclear-fueled, flexible robot caterpillars. FRCs. Anyway, for reasons unknown, mankind has decided to have all its power generated by one huge power station in orbit and transport the fuel around this power station. We built nuclear-fueled, flexible robot caterpillars. <laughs> I don't know why. Anything. Anyway, all was peachy until it was not. A bug in the system, probably one of those caterpillars, um, has turned the whole thing to shit. Mutating all the computer systems, turning them sentient, and worst of all, has made the FRCs go berserk and take over the entire system. Only a few random alien things can exist in this power station now, as everything else is killed by the roaming FRCs, and so we have a real problem in getting power down here. This, Graham, all happened in 1998. Well, I was there and it probably did. Yeah, that was some year. Anyway, fast forward to 2010 and Project Life Force is initiated. Sounds good. What's Project Life Force? Well, Project Life Force entails you in a tank. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> That's it. It doesn't sound quite as uh, quite as uh, impressive when you say it like that. That's it. Our brightest and best minds over 12 years came up with you in a tank. That was it. That's all they could come up with. Not good. No, sent up to the power station to destroy the FRCs and harvest their sweet, sweet nuclear-fueled heads. That's what you've got to do. Um, and thus we have Life Force. So what is this game? The game is viewed from the top down. It starts with no real title screen. It's kind of just got the game screen. Um, and pressing fire lets you know the game is beginning because it tells you that on the UI at the bottom. The game is starting, which says or something. The does, game is beginning. It does. At least you know. At least, at, least you know. You, at least you know. Your tank materializes on screen in the sort of play area at the top, and you control it with a joystick, and it's eight directions. So it's top down, move around, da, da, da. There are eight FRCs to collect on the three levels of the game. You've got three cities to move through, and these FRCs are handily marked on the radar that takes up part of the UI at the bottom of the screen. There are some other bits of info here on the UI, such as the number of escape pods. Um, I'll come to these in a moment. Shields, smart bombs, and homing missiles, or seekers as they're called here, that you uh, that you have in your tank. There's also an icon for your, icon for your laser, um, and if this runs out, it will switch to stun mode, which is so stupid. I mean, they've sent you up in a crap tank. It took 12 years to send you up in a crap tank that runs out of... A crank. <laughs> yeah, it's literally what it is. It's just awful. And below that, below this laser icon, is the number of reactors you have collected in that level. So how many caterpillar heads, basically. On the right is the word head, which I think tells you what you are looking for. I'm not quite sure. Just just says head. Don't question it. Your, there's your score there, and this is the number of lives you have left, which is oh, oh, weird as well, but I'll get to the lives in a bit. Um, so you move slowly about the landscape. Your job is to track the caterpillars uh, that you can see on the radar. But you've got to be careful because a single contact with these things and it is game over. Because should you die, you have to have an escape pod handy to blast out in. And only then will you get to use another of your lives. So if you get hit, I don't know, I never managed it. You're supposed to, be supposed to blast out in an escape pod and then you can use one. But oh, I never managed it and it was just game over instantly. I don't know why you have lives or whether you actually have an escape pod. I don't know. I tried to jab it at the, the um, relevant key. I think it's the F7 key. Um, but it never worked or F1, whatever. Anyway, these caterpillars, they move around the landscape in long character-shaped lines. Think snake, I guess, is a good way of sort of saying they sort of they've got a long tail and they move, the head moves and the body moves, and it's that kind of that kind of shape as they move around. They'll go off screen and you've got to track them down. And what you've got to do, first of all, is you've got to blast all the tail parts off them. So all the all the parts that make the tail of the 
caterpillar, you've got to shoot all them. If you do that, it will make the head stop and then you can move over it to collect it. You must do this for eight, all eight roaming caterpillars. And if you do, then you can proceed to the next trickier city. Enemies appear. So they just materialize and they come after you and whistle down your laser until it's only good for stu stunning them for a short time in your crap tank, your crank. Um, so this is all stupid, basically. You just give me a you know a gun that shoots properly. The stun grenade, the stun power up still destroys the caterpillar body parts, though. So at least that's something. However, though, you can get power ups, and this is one of the nicer features of the game. The landscape, in all its bas relief glory, can be destroyed, and hidden behind some sections of walls are the homing missiles and smart bombs, etc., that can be used with a quick press of the relevant function key. It's quite a nice touch that, you know, blasting the walls, blasting things so you can move through and make it a bit more open. It makes exploring the world worthwhile as you track down the moving targets of the FRCs. And that's really, that's about it. It comes from CRL. I've no idea who made it. There's no credits or anything. It's just a CRL game. The visuals are, um, are a little medium res bland. They're just medium res and they're a bit bland. And the sprites, both you and the enemies, they're they're pretty plain and they're pretty uninteresting. There's not a lot of work gone into the visuals on this. The scrolling, unfortunately, is also quite jerky. And by quite, I mean berry. Um, and this really does hurt the eyes after a while. The sound effects and the music are both rudimentary. And everything about this game, it feels like a CRL game because that's what it is. There's, we've seen these kind of look from CRL. We've seen other games from them. That one where you had to complete the 12 mini games to shut down the space station, I think, the other week. So on. It looks like a CRL game. I'm pretty sure that one was a CRL game. Yeah, similar, they, they, yeah. They all have this kind of look, this kind of bass relief, these kind of chunky sprites, not particularly very well shaded. They just have that kind of look and feel, jerky scrolling. It's not a bad game, this. There's some nice ideas scattered throughout it, um, but it, it, it's really what it comes down to. It's just dull to look at, and it's not very interesting to play. More, don't have a gun that runs out. Let me shoot stuff constantly, oh, especially if you're going to constantly spawn enemies at me. Or just don't do that. Let me just have to track down the FRCs, which are a you know an enemy and a threat on their own then you've got a kind of nice idea. This should be fun. And if this was a little faster, you had more interesting weapons to play around with, some more different, you know, more interesting power-ups and some more interesting level design, it could have been an interesting take on the 360-degree shooter because it's what it is, really. But as it is, it, it just never really rises above adequate. It, what did it get? It got 58%. Yeah, four, high 40s, low 50s, probably much where I put it. If I had to say this, you know, the review, but it's CRL through and through. It's like if you cut it's open, it just reads like CRL, like through a stick of rock. Um, and that's what this looks and feels like. It feels like a CRL game. It's an interesting premise, and you're tracking down these kind of snake-like things, but I don't know, there's something just missing. It's just a bit bland and a bit, it's a bit dull, but it's okay. It's not bad. It's just, it's plainly average. What about you? What did you think to it? Ugh. <laughs> what a horrible looking thing this is. <laughs> horrible blocky sprites, weird attempts at base relief in green and grey. Yep. Ugh. It's not it's not jerky the best. scrolling. Jerky scrolling, Adrian. Jerky <laughs> scrolling. I don't like jerky scrolling. What register should they like use, it. Graham? What register? DO16. DO1 bloody six. <laughs> Goodness mate. No, not on my watch. No, no. This is dull. This game's dull. It's just dull. It is dull. Even if yes. it had good scrolling, it'd be dull, but it's not. It's got judder, 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 jerky scrolling. I'm not exactly sure how they manage that as well, really, because with the appropriate VIC 2 chip register, that's rendered you know, unnecessary. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, it plays like every other maze sort of maze tank game. We've we've come across a few of these. There's one we played a while ago. I forget which one it was. The, the, where we complained that we had a load of enemies attacking us all the time. Is that the one where so you had to like, line up the mirrors? Yeah, the mirror game, whatever it was called. Anyway, so it's yeah. kind of got that kind of vibe. We said at the time, it's this kind of a Tron tanks vibe. This is not Tron tanks vibe though with this one. If you imagine that with all the fun, speed, and excitement removed, then you'd be getting close to the mark. This is quiet. It's a quiet game, isn't it? It's apart from the old, you know, sound effect. Very quiet. It's very quiet. Very dull and very uninteresting. And it doesn't really do anything for me at all. It's a full price game. I mean, goodness me. I know. Yeah. Ten pounds. Yeah, minus five minus the five P. You're talking a tenner here. Um and it was a mid-range review for the Zappers. They kind of gave it fifty-eight percent. They were like, you know, that maybe you know it belies the graphics. Get past the graphics. There's a good mappers game in here. You can map all you want. It's like nobody wants to do that crap. <laughs> Come on. Be honest about it. Nobody wants... There's loads of games out there that are better than this, and certainly that we've yeah. played. So I didn't find this compelling. I know Zap did, but I didn't. I just... I didn't get into it. I thought it was pretty lame. And there's loads of other games that do this 360 sort of exploration of an environment. Parallax, for example, even, um, with the base relief graphics, that is just better than this in every possible way. This is pants this is this is actually this is crapping pants this is someone who's just shit themselves at a theme park <laughs> it's not that bad it, it is it's not good it's not it's not good it's a wander around an empty maze with a tank okay i get that but but atari did this with the 2600 many moons before this so add something extra to it what have you got Show me what you've got with that, with the extras. There's nothing here. powered flexible robot it's, caterpillars, Graham. It, I've told yeah, you, you haven't, though. No, it's dull. <laughs> it's dull. This is not yeah. shiny and bright and new no, and interesting. No, 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 God, nothing like that, no. But more importantly, this is not worth £10 of your money. Life it's force. It's not. If it had have been based on the film, it would have featured Matilda May's boobs. Maybe that's worth a tenner. I don't know. This ain't, though. Crap. No, it's not. It's really not. Crap. <laughs> Jay Dog Derrick. egg. Jay Derrick did the music, by the way. That's the only credit I could find for it. So yeah, yeah, this, that maybe that's a good part. But dog egg, dog yeah. egg, dog egg. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fair that's my answer to that. Okay. Oh, there we go. That's uh, I don't know if it gets any better after the after we come back, but um, Christ on a bike, these games are odd this week. That's our first four. We've got another four to come later on, but right now we're going to take a quick break because I don't even know what to say about them. Bleak. Bleak, bleak, bleak all the way through. <laughs> Just a bleak half. Yeah. Uh, I think we need something to cheer us up. So we're going to go away, cheer ourselves up, and then come back where we will talk With about singles. <laughs> I should be so lucky, Graham. I should be so lucky. I should be. You should be so bloody lucky. We should be, sort of thing. Um, we'll be back in a bit where we'll look at the singles for uh, February 88. Uh, if we haven't bleaked you out, we'll hopefully stick around and we'll see you in a bit. Exactly. Enjoy your bleak end. <laughs> <laughs> The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of Feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? 
An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts, and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. And we're back. Um, as promised, we've got singles from February 1988, precisely 34 and a half years ago, I suppose. What was going on? What was going on? So the first week of uh, February, it's a four-week month. Um, number one singles we've got for the first week, I Think We Are Alone Now by yes. Tiffany. Um, I think we're alone now. We've spoken Maybe about this one. at length, haven't we? We've, we've, we've done it a few it. times now. It's actually in the movie Cape Fear. That's That was a, an, an interesting extra I thought I'd throw in. Is it really in Cape Fear? Whereabouts? Yeah, because um, when Max Cady is uh, feeling threatened, I think he says, I think we're alone now. I think everybody says it too, actually, but I'm pretty sure it's in there. Oh, well, there you go. So, good film. Good film. Good film. Yes, good film. Horrible. Horrible. Good. Bleak. In, in keeping with the episode. Bleak. In keeping with the episode. <laughs> bleak. Bleak. Um, for the next three weeks, though, it was I Should Be So Lucky by Kylie Minogue. Mm. Yes, the Stock Aiken and Waterman machine pumps out one of its bona fide mega hits. <laughs> and Pete Waterman constructed an entire bullshit narrative around the whole song. Something around Kylie going, I want a really big hit, and him going, you should be so lucky. <laughs> that never happened at all. I think Kylie <laughs> went into a studio and sang some part of the song, and Pete Waterman's just started ejaculating one-pound <laughs> coins painfully and with a lot of stretching and grasping and pushing that's the worst kind of gallstones ever <laughs> exactly he just started ejaculating pounds like ah ah ah, ah. you're right pete oh my god you got the they're covered in some no it's the cash <laughs> they're covered in some kind of powder it's awful but they do look very new anyway that's uh... that's not the queen's face <laughs> that's how that song came about it's horrible really isn't it it's awful dreadful it's a dreadful story it's one yeah. he passes down to his uh, grandkids. He actually uh, dramatizes it for them <laughs> every Christmas. He replays it every Christmas at the Christmas table. <laughs> Did he ever tell you kids about the time that I started spunking one pound coins? <laughs> you didn't, Pete, but please, for the love of God, don't tell us it. We're now 10 years in. Absolutely. He fills the turkey with the uh, one pound coins, grabs it and just squeezes it, shooting them out of its anus. Everything the- about the previous two seconds Two minutes of our chat has been gross, <laughs> just to warn you now. Really gross. Oh, I should be so lucky. Um, yes. Uh, and don't forget as well that the weird, strange video that they made for Top of the Pops, um, that was only shown on Top of the Pops, which essentially is Kylie Minogue getting in a car, driving round in the back and singing it. Um, she's actually driven round by Calibos. She is driven round by Calibos. Calibos. It is Calibos. He does He does deserve a break after being hor- <laughs> horrifically malformed in Clash of the Titans. How does he change gears? Uh, don't ask that question because... <laughs> Which hand you know, gets he, cut off? It's not Can't his remember. hand that he uses. It's very dexterous and it's gross. <laughs> he has a tail, um, doesn't he? And that's why the uh, you have to make sure you uh, get a good disinfectant wipe. Just wipe the inside of that can, and especially the gear knob. <laughs> Um, or, or put him in a put him in a an in a, um, automotive car, an automatic, because you know you're going to be wiping some stuff off you don't want to talk about, and Absolutely. for some time it's gross. You, you don't want Calibos and Calibos and manual. This in, this in entire same. so far, this has been a very ejaculative <laughs> episode in this terms of the music. It's quite gross, really, in every way that it can be. It is. Should we get out of? <laughs> for Christ's sake, so move on, because <laughs> yeah. Calibos is. 
Calipas <laughs> come is not something I would have thought I'd talk about, but let's no, move on. Quick, no, fast. Right. Singles then. All right. 7th of February. <laughs> in at number 20 is the Tower of Strength, which is euphemistic, um, considering what we've talked about, by the Mission. Yeah, it's a good track. I Very jingly jangly, but I like this one. So It is. It's the first single off the upcoming second proper mission album that had uh, the EP one out uh, first chapter out uh, so that's the children uh, we'll no doubt get to that at some point this year basically this was a song written about the Eskimos not the you know not to Inuits but this was the, who, who were the missions traveling fan base that's what they were called um, okay. although I've also read that Hussey said this was also about Blue Nun the drink because it's what kept Why? him going which he consumed a lot of yes uh, okay. and was his tower of strength what kept him going um, there was a According to Wikipedia, there's a scathing review in The Enemy by Barbara Ellen. She described the song okay. as pompous and facile as everything else the mission had produced, since having their fingers prized away from Eldritch's infinitely more stylish skirts. Ouch. Ouchie. Ouchie. I know, but um, yeah. the enemy and the thing, they never and Melody Maker they never particularly liked the mission. I don't think. Recalling back, clearly, to I mean that review says it all, doesn't it? I mean it's yeah. a bit ouchie, isn't it? Not that, it's not that bad. It's a really good track, but it does explain why the mission and the Sisters of Mercy were very different acts on very different trajectories. Mm. If I also told you as well that this was uh, produced by John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin, so there's the, supposedely there's elements of the Kaz, Kaz, no, what's Kaz, Kashmir. Ka- yeah, I can sort of get that, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get to yeah. the children. What children we get to? Because I have, I have thoughts on that album, but you do not, not for today, not for today, um, not for today. It, in at number 51 was Two Hearts, not the Phil Collins track, the Cliff Richard track. Hey, this is not about Doctor Who, is it? Um, don't think so. I, ha- I no. didn't really look at the lyrics, but I didn't hear much about Doctor Who in there. No. The song was dreadful in every way that a song could be. <laughs> it was. Did you watch the video that I linked to? I did watch the video. It pained me to watch that video. It did. The size of that crowd, so many people, there's so many tight perms and dodgy jumpers. And that, and that was that was just the several of the and that's the initial pains. I know. It when you watch awful. it you're like, ah, oh, there's so many people. Ah, oh, there's so many perms. Ah, there's just <laughs> ah ah ah. Yeah. And then the, then then he starts with his weird dance, which is a kind of body rotation. <laughs> Without moving his neck or his shoulders, like he's got frozen shoulders, he's kind of rotates and sort of almost semi punches the air without actually punching. There's something yeah. wrong with him. Something then, very and, wrong with him. And the crowd is really out of time. They need to get in unison with their swaying. They're all over the place. It's a it's a sway free for all. It's well, they're madness. All, they're all partially deaf. They're all OAPs. <laughs> and that's when the sound hits them. If they if their skin or lungs don't liquefy because it's that loud, then that's that's the best reaction he can hope for. Is that they react within a similar maybe one or two minute time frame for when he does the action. I imagine some of them are so Terrible. boneless. They're just like those things you see outside of car dealerships. They that's are. What, they that's are. why they're uh, waving their arms about. Some of the people in that crowd, when the strobe lights or the bright lights come on, they go transparent they're that old. <laughs> they're sc- they can actually see the skeleton inside their skin. <laughs> and it looks terrified. It's Not terrifying. <laughs> it would, terrified. Yeah. Their, their face has got one expression, but their skull has got another. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's horrific and it's, what what terrible thing terrible it really terrible, is terrible awful uh <laughs> one place below two hearts which you actually see some of them have two hearts too uh it's number 52 cars and girls by prefab sprout i made a note here that neither of those two things cars and girls are in your immediate future when you're the lead singer of a band named after a vegetable that is probably very true and that's I why noted- cabbage 
and and <laughs> parsnip have not done very well. <laughs> That's true. Uh, as for rhubarb, no, never heard of them. No. Um, I've also evolved a term. It's now bland boar. <laughs> Terms evolved because it's been going on so long. <laughs> It is bland boar. They are massive bland boar prefab sprout. Yeah. The prefabricated sprout doesn't make sense, you stupid idiots. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> um, kiss, uh, number 54, Kiss and Tell by Brian Ferry. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I'm not familiar with it, really. I have to say, I listened to it, but I, it's, I was like, eh. I, totally I forgettable shit. I didn't recognise it. I thought this was a sneering, stylish neon funk overload, that video. It is. Yeah, that, it, absolutely. Loads of neon funk in there. Uh, it's not, I didn't think it was a bad song. It's just very Brian Ferry. Very. Yeah, totally Brian Ferry. And it made me look into what other popular ferry companies there were. <laughs> P&O aren't popular. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not popular. But they're, they're, in popular terms, they're just names. P&O Ferries, Brittany Ferries, Stenaline, Condor Ferries, DFDS Seaways, Irish Ferries, Corsica Ferries, Brian Ferries. And Bobby McFerrin's ferries, they're all out there. They're all out there you doing can... the job. Absolutely. Brian's, I bet Brian's ferries never get anywhere easily. <laughs> no. They just meander their way around some kind of neon stylish funk overload. Until <laughs> you get to where you want to be, and you're like, oh, God, it took two days to get here. So dull. So Absolutely. alarmingly dull. We should have gone on Bobby McFerrin's ferries because at least then we'd have been happy. Yeah, you don't worry about that. You're just, you're just happy. Yeah. You're just happy. Don't worry. We'll get you there in the end. Uh... <laughs> Brian Ferry. Brian's Ferries. <laughs> Brian'sFerries.com. Uh, at number 56, Show Le Taxi by Vanessa Paradis. Uh, uh, what is the deal with the skinny, petite, French, slushy-looking teenager dancing slinkly while singing about a tax driver? What is the deal with that? What's the appeal? I don't get it. Well... You said it. <laughs> the petite French sultry looking teenager, I guess. That was probably the appeal to a lot of people back then. Do you remember I'm the video for it? Vaguely. I remember the gap in her teeth. That's question, here's a question for you. Did she sing in English or did she sing in French, that song? Um, French, I think, wasn't it? That's the question I'm asking. All right. I, th- I, I genuinely, I'm not sure. It's like... Slinky, slinky, dance, I'm not sure I was concentrating on the lyrics. I'm sorry, but I wasn't. Well, is Joe a French word? Because it's, it's his Joe, name. Joe, Joe, Joe the taxi. Well, it's, it's, Joe, it's Joe the taxi driver, I think. Well, the name's the, French, the... so I'm presuming she sang in French. I honestly can't remember. I just remember, no. like you, I just remember, I remember more vowel sounds and just burbling <laughs> than actual lyrics to this. I remember the Paradis part more than the Vanessa. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, so, sorry, about, sorry about that, Vanessa Parody, if that's your real name. Yeah, I, but, um, yeah. Anyway, and I don't a, believe that a young teenage girl will be that obsessed with a taxi driver. I don't know why, but I just don't, I don't buy it. No. I don't buy it. No, no. You no. don't, easy enough to do a parody though, wouldn't it? You could do an easy parody of Vanessa Parody, couldn't you? you really there you could. go, clues in the name. Joe um, the Taxi. <laughs> that's not really a parody, that's just a simple. Bob the isn't Bus. It? Maybe that's where Bob, Bob the Bill the is. Bus. <laughs> Bob the bus driver, <laughs> hey, look at me. <laughs> 62p. Me the sign again. <laughs> 62p is a return better value. It probably is on this route. <laughs> £2.50, drive all day. <laughs> yeah, that's an all day, day rider. Anyway, just no more now. We know too much about bus travel. We do. Uh, in the but... North East Lincolnshire region, I feel. 
absolutely. Good old, good old stagecoach. Good old um, stagecoach. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Lincolnshire. It, Lincolnshire bloody buses. well, isn't They can uh, sod off with their stupid charges, <laughs> with, their green with their buses ones, and, the their, green and their rumble seats. The green ones, when it, when it came around the corner and it was a single decker, you'd be like, that was, the, that was the. Do you remember there was, there was, remember there was bus wars when we had the, the, the little <laughs> mini buses that like tur- turboed around the estates and there was like the stagecoach buses versus the Lynx road car buses and yeah, it was yeah. just like crazy. They all drove like maniacs. It was no, you could get to tell me like two minutes. It's like, uh, get on the bus. Like, right, they've got a bus behind us. Do you need to stop at any point during the way? No, right. <laughs> Holy crap. We got to town in like 10 minutes. This is brilliant. It's 2p, please. What? 2p? It's all, Leap- all we're charging. We're not charging anything, really. Leapfrogging around each other, try and get yeah. to the next stop first and pick everyone up. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, Madness. they used to be crazy, crazy. And now there's no buses. Now it's just now it's just empty <laughs> empty roads and Lord Humongous asking for gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Give us your gasoline, Lynx Road car. <laughs> we just need it for our buses. We are stagecoach. <laughs> St- yeah. Stagecoach's version of Lord Humongous would be hilarious. <laughs> They'll still turn up and really badly made like single decker buses. Give us your gasoline. We've got people that need to get from point A to point B. At a ridiculously <laughs> overpriced cost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You charge 60p, we charge 55p. <laughs> Come on, walk away. You haven't been on a bus in a while, have you? 55p gets you from one stop to the next. <laughs> I don't travel on buses because I hate them and everything they stand for, but that's just me. Anyway, yeah, uh, Bobla Bus. And at number 92 is Wait by White Lion. Oh, Jesus. Now, I didn't song. know what that this was going to be like until I saw it in there. And I thought, you know, with a name like White Lion, it has to be, it has to be exactly what it sounds like. And it is. It really Big is, isn't hair. it? <laughs> yeah, hair metal. It's like someone put Europe, Bon Jovi, and Def Leppard in a cloning machine. Press the button, and out they popped. Out popped White Lion. And the video itself, dramatic camera zooms, terrible. The song is absolutely horrible. It's terrible in this. <laughs> ah, just, ah, no, no. <laughs> the solo, though, that made me laugh out loud for ages and ages and ages and ages. The solo in this, the guitar solo. Yeah. Is hilarious. But I put it, it's, no, it's, a, no. it's a wandering, tuneless nightmare of notes that bear no relation to anything around them. I've also no. noted that his trousers are also pure paint, as no material could cling that tightly. He has got painted on trousers in that. They are, they are shocking, terrible, and bad. And that's just a band name, band members' names. <laughs> White Lion's dreadful. It reminded me of uh, the rock band that we created many, many years ago, White Spirit. We did. Um, with <laughs> with Tempt and Flex on vocals and Krusty Bottoms on drums. <laughs> Tempt and Flex. Funny enough, I read, when I read that back, I thought that's so alarmingly accurate that you could have a band called White Spirit and then we've got White Lion. I know. That's Tempt what I mean. and Flex is exactly the guy that's in, because he's got white poodle permed hair with really dark <laughs> eyebrows. It's like who are who are you? Where did you come from? There's a bit as well where um, the the uh, bassist and the singer sort of almost join heads at one point. Oh, I, no. I did think that their hair got tangled, so they they had to cut cut away quickly and untangle them. But their it ain't hair would have been it ain't. It's a really bad bad song, bad video. Yep, just bad, 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 bad. Yep. 14th of February, beat this by Bomb the Bass. Yeah, Bomb the Bass. Good stuff. So I, I yeah I always get this confused because obviously I thought um, this was the one from Zenon Two or the one that was used or influenced Zenon Zenon Two whatever it was yeah the Amiga track. No, it's, it's an easy mistake to make because Mega Blast by Bomb the Bass is basically the same kind of track albeit constructed from different samples 
principally assaulted precinct 13 so but beat this is a great track by them you know keep this frequency clear it's a great track and it's tim Siminal, i think isn't it up on the bass essentially so really good stuff he was actually homeless at one point he was a homeless guy living in a squat and uh he was always apparently very adamant that he was going to make it big and there you go on the bass happened and he made it big Made it big. Uh, at number 25, Doctor in the House featuring Yaz and the Plastic Population. Yeah, uh, by Cold bit of a Cook, classic. Featuring Yaz and the Plastic Population. Bit of a classic house track. Appeared on pretty much every house compilation in existence from that yeah. time forever. This is forever. Doctor in the House. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, tell, everyone's one. heard of it. Doctor in. We got a hot one for you. Well, you take care of Gary, the podcast friend, played this a lot because it's on House Hits 88, I think, or maybe one of those house <laughs> compilations. But he, he, I think I think I'm safe in saying he liked this track. Um, he probably did. Was, he liked all this sort of thing. Well, some of the house tracks were pretty bland at this point. You know, you got Girl, I'll house you. Say what, girl, I'll house you. Say what, do 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 But this one actually quite had a, quite ni- a nice liveliness to it. Yaz is a very enigmatic singer, and, and it's kind of cool. So I think well, I'm sure we'll see a lot, lot more of Yaz coming up well, we will you know the only way is up with her yeah so. which is a you know cracking pop tune but um, yeah, yeah, she exactly. was um yeah interesting interesting character yep. uh number 27 man in the mirror by michael jackson not a fan of michael jackson generally but, I, but this is for me not one i really like it's not my cup of tea but did you it's like okay it? it's got it's got a, it's got a nice chorus it's got a very staccato-ish lyrical style yeah this is okay it's quite unusual um but yep. it's, it's all right it's not really the best off that album but it's it's possibly okay uh number 42 people are strange by echo and the bunny men yeah people are strange when you're a stranger it's a great version of that um dum, dum, track dum, by the doors dum. isn't it yes uh, it's the only other version i think that's actually arguably a little bit better than the doors version i think but you know this this doors purists out there that are probably just laid an egg but I quite like I, I quite like I quite I quite like the, uh, the face of Echo the Bunny Man version. It probably has, and I also like like it for the fact that it's in the opening titles of the Lost Boys. So it's it's a good track that is by them. Yeah, Ray Mantowitz, whatever his name is, the keyboardist. Yeah, that's Doors the one. has probably just um, put a hit out on us. Exactly, he's just I told you he's laid an egg. <laughs> it's got the price of our death on it. <laughs> like in that, what's that movie where there's like the tapestry where there's like all the, uh, oh, the tapestry of fate? Yeah, it's like wanted, but he just lays eggs. I thought it was more like the I thought it was more like the Red Ball in Minority Report. Yeah, same difference. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, if you think about the the Minority Report and imagine someone squatting at the top of the tube where those balls come down, <laughs> that's a whole different kettle of fish to what that film's about. We've alluded to uh, Minority Report now a few times, and I think you're right. I think the top of those tubes it's like like if you followed the thread in the wanted all the way up and it just came out of somebody's asshole like like they they don't know why they do it like a spider they just produce web you'd be like oh that's bloody awful yeah someone producing a red ball yeah there's like six people up there just webbing like oh god you have to wonder why it's like um, a crap harp Tom, tom cruise always has gloves on now you know why, because those red eggs are not from a good place. <laughs> Absolutely not. They still have someone's exactly. name engraved on them. Or, or regs, as they call them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. that's so, so bloody gross. It's <laughs> uh, a murder. It's <laughs> <laughs> a murder. It's going to happen. Check the fate string. It's coming out of John's ass. I know it is, but just check it anyway. It's, weave it. Weave it. We, weave it into something useful because it's awful. 
<laughs> How long has it got to stand there? I don't know, 10 years? It's awful. It's horrible. It's just, it just comes out. They can't help it. They can't stop it. Can't stop it. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Shh. Let it go. <laughs> Number 45 <laughs> is Hot, Hot, Hot by The Cure. Yeah, not, not, not. <laughs> what the hell is this god-awful crap? Uh, well, as I've noticed, he's had his hair cut. So like Samson before him, he lost all his goth powers that were nestled in the unruly mop. Because this sounds like sub in excess. It does. Smith vocals played on top. Yeah. It's awful. It doesn't sound like a cure track. Was this a cure separatist track? I mean, the purists of the cure must have hated that because it's a total change. Yeah, it's very different to what was going on. I mean, they get back to proper cure with the next album, I think, Disintegration, but God knows what's going on with them at this point in time. If that is the next album, I think it might be. Exactly. I think, in all truthfulness, the red egg that came out said you must release a track called Hot Hot Hot, and they were like, "Okay, if if fate's dictated it, and the string and the egg says it, okay, we'll do it." But seems a bit odd. It's not quite our mo, but okay. But okay, I'll do it. Uh, at number forty-seven was the presence of love by the Alarm, channeling Bono again, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Only this time the Bono ratio is slightly lower, and the U two quotient is less. It actually felt musically more like a Belinda Carlisle track. I think they've been. Carlyled more than anything else. But what about you? Massive Carlyling of the music here. Yeah. Is that sim- similar to Dundeeing of the music or more yes. coming of the music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or would that last one include a brown coat and waggling of the glasses? Absolutely. I think this is just, you know, the, I listen to it and it sounds horrible and it's out of tune and awful anyway. But it, when he starts to channel Bono, you're like, ugh. <laughs> and then it's got, it's like listen to a crap Bono impersonator singer over a Belinda Carlyle track. Nobody wanted that and nobody no. ever will. No. no wonder the alarms are going off. <laughs> They're going off everywhere. The red ball is dropping. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> it's like in that movie, The Thing, Tom when Cruise the dog's been when the thing when the dog's being taken over by the thing, and the McCready goes and like one of them goes and grabs the alarm like. Beep, 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 beep. That's exactly what happened here. <laughs> Someone put this song on. And went, what the hell is this? Because I don't know. It's weird and top. <laughs> <laughs> weird and pissed off. Whatever it is. Yes, <laughs> 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 yeah, it's shocking. Shocking. Number 51 is an Englishman in New York. I'm an Englishman in New York. I drink coffee. Sorry, you drink coffee, I drink tea, my dear. It's all good. I I like like my my toast on one one side. side. Yeah, no, no, no. No one likes their one-sided toast. Nobody likes that. Nobody. I used to have it like that when I was younger. What? (laughs) Mum was like, no, you can't have the grill on that long, so I had to just one-sided toast. I don't believe that's true. That's fair Uh, enough. But 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 if that is true, at least you're aligning yourself to the gay icon Quentin Crisp, clearly. Who also apparently liked his toasted on one side. I'm not sure that was the case. I just think we didn't have enough gas. The the debate (laughs) is here, though. If you're making cheese on toast, do you toast one side of the bread? Oh, God, I do it now, yes. Now, yes, now I can afford. Do you partially toast and then put the cheese on, or do you just put the cheese on the no. under-toasted side and then let it toast? Cheese on untoasted. Goodness me, what is going on in the world? Because <laughs> if you do, if you don't, then the cheese doesn't melt fast enough and then the edges get burnt. It's just, honestly, what you've got there is a grill-too-high situation. Anyway... Um, I just don't believe that uh, Quentin Crisp, being the incredible gay icon that he was... It's about three foot off the floor. I can't change that. (laughs) I don't believe that uh, he ever expressed a toast preference in any discussion with Sting. I don't believe that happened. I mean, in your instance, you know, if you can't, you know, actually afford the gas to toast the other side of the bread, fair enough, okay, that's that's how it works. But I don't believe Quentin Crisp ever had that issue. And a song about it's weird. It is weird. It is very strange. Uh, 21st of February, number six. In it, number six is Suede Head or Sweater Head by Morrissey. 
No. Rubbish. I hate Morrissey. No. I hate all he stands for. I hate the robot version of him and everything to do with him. So I'm not talking about this. This was the follow-up single to The Hangman Wore a Jumper and the B- and its B-side, Fairy Cake Suicide. It's just Other become than that, a, I don't know He's just become a it. parody of his own, of himself at this point. Pat. He is, yeah. Number nine, Together Forever and Ever for Part, whatever it says, by Rick Astley. Yeah. The Stock Aiken and Waterman Machine. And ever and ever something like that. It's together it? forever with you. The Stock Aiken and Waterman Machine, it pumps. It, constant, that. it cannot be stopped. It just pumps. It, these quid coins are going... He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's so painful and yet so enriching. <laughs> <laughs> squeezing his ass like a bellows exactly um, they just keep they're pumping in they're pumping in <laughs> pump it baby pump it uh at number 17 more goth have had the cure the mission and now we've got the sisters of mercy with dominion dominion yeah it's a good track it's one of my personal favorites next to this corrosion it's it all the classic track. sisters of mercy tropes with the ha 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 and the he 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 and all that and it's a, it's a song so good they just changed the lyrics and put it twice on the album yeah yeah what's it, it just, second it just turns mother into russia, mother russia it, doesn't it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. mother um, russia give me da, ha, ha, hey, and all that yeah. i'm not bothered i like i no, like no, that it's a great track, track. It's, it's a good track it, well it's it's a long track though, and it's it's quite good. The, it doesn't mean a lot anything. of the Sisters of Mercy tracks are exhaustive in their length. I think they wear you down <laughs> after a while. After after sort of ten minutes, you're like, oh God's sake, just shut up. But you know, you kind of like it. <laughs> Number twenty nine is crashed by the Primitives. Yeah, good group. It good is, group. and everyone knows his track. Yeah, but they don't know all these know who sang it. No, they it's don't. The, they go, who is this? Now here I go. Am I own again? Who is this? Is this uh, is this the you know the Bangles? It's like no. Is it Daisy Chainsaw? Is it someone is it like Daisy, that? Daisy Chainsaw? Yeah, I love your money. Is it? Who is it? It's the it's crashed by the primitives. Oh, the primitives! You've never heard of them, and you never will again <laughs> after this conversation. You dumb crazy. Now back in the box. Um, Off you go. Yeah. Number thirty. You're gonna get the hose again now. <laughs> Absolutely. Put the lotion on. Are you get the hose again. <laughs> number thirty-nine. I get weak. By Belinda Carlisle. I just want the gasoline. Um, <laughs> just want the lotion. Uh, number 39, I Get Weak by Belinda Carlisle. Yeah, um, written by Diane Warren and produced by Rick Knowles. And so it's written by the hit factory that is Diane Warren. Yeah. So it's, I Get Weak. Yeah. Weak. So is it Weak in the Presence of Beauty? Is that, or is that another is song that completely? Am I, am I amalgamating uh, two songs? I think that's two different songs. I think that's too. Anyway, it's all the same difference. It's good tune, so what I remember of it. Belinda Carlisle, she was doing good stuff at this point. Number 42, who wasn't doing good stuff, Heart of Gold by Johnny Hates Jazz. No, he hates jazz. He does not have a heart of gold. His heart is full of hate. <laughs> it is. And he's also in this video sporting a bit of designer bum fluff. Oh, um, he is. He was showing, showing you that it's a bit dangerous. A bit dangerous. Yeah, he's not still, dangerous. Very bland bore. I suspect if a gang of jazz musicians circled him, <laughs> they could just horn him to death with their horns. <laughs> they would play notes at him in between yeah, the other just, notes, and he exactly. wouldn't know what to make of it. They'd, they'd blue note him to the point of death. He'd be like, stop. You hate jazz, do you? You do now. Absolutely. Tip my pentatonic scale. It could be Johnny Hates Yaz as well, which was the constant singer of the plastic population. Or Johnny Hates Baz. Or Baz. Just an arbitrary hatred of people, you know, generally speaking. He's a, he's a hateful guy. Could be Johnny H. Jazz Rignall. Could be. Might have done. We don't know. We never will know. We don't know. know. Never know. Uh, number 58, Anarchy in the UK by Megadeth. Yeah. No. <sighs> Crap, no. unwelcome and unnecessary. Yeah. The three uh, <laughs> Rice Krispie characters you don't want to meet. And you can take that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Cover of a Sex Pistols anthem, not good. And really not good, so avoid. No. 
Uh, number 82 is Ride Like the Wind by Saxon. Oh, God, such a shit song. If you like Saxon, you're going to dig it because it's totally up there, you know, avenue. But I thought it was just utter garbage. Yeah. And this Spinal Tap equivalent, which is a kind of a Mickey take, not not totally similar to that, was Break Like the Wind. So I'm guessing <laughs> no. that's... So I'm guessing that's based upon that. I don't know. Must be. Sure, it's but... got some awful lyrics, though. It, I was born the son of a lawless man, always spoke my mind with a gun in my hand. I lived okay. nine lives, gunned down ten, gonna ride like the wind. None of this makes any sense. I've got such a long no. way to go to make it to the border of Mexico. <laughs> so that's I'll a good ride lyric. Like the wind, I like that. Ride like the wind. But aren't they from the north of England? No wonder they have a bit yeah. of distance to go <laughs> to get to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Very long way to go to the get to Mexico. Why the border of Mexico? I like the fact they've rhymed way to go with mexico though that's could have used ohio yeah well i just i like monaco that, you know. the chances of they're called saxon because you know saxons <laughs> i know the, why are they normans the were the the, the follow-up band was normans there was vikings <laughs> there was all sorts of there was the goth yeah, the well, first the album goth. 1066 was a bit of a misnomer it didn't quite work you know so they ride like the wind arrow in the eye yeah that's all good stuff yeah. uh wrapping up 28th of february uh, in at number 20 was The Ship of Fools by Erasure. Yeah, good song. Released as the lead single from their third studio album, The Innocents. Some wobbling in that video, Adrian. Some is wobbling, there? but not a great deal of bending. No, no Andy blue. Bend. No, uh, no, no, very blue. No, no uh, Andy Bell Bend. No, it was a very blue video. It was very, very pastel, sort of, wasn't it? Very yeah, pastel neut- colours. Yeah, neut- very. And just their faces generally kind of looking around. I'm sure what it's all about, but... <laughs> No, I'm yeah. not either. Uh, number 35 is the double A side of Never and These Dreams by Heart. Oh, God, that song. The, the amount of makeup she wears, the woman in the beginning of the video, is just, it's just, it's extraordinary how Which much one, makeup Nancy? she's gone. Yeah, yeah. To the point when it look, almost looks like she's been made of porcelain and plastic. It's like, <laughs> goodness me. Are you a human? Have you been? Is that a mask that's been spray painted to look like the woman you represent, or is that you? I think um, it Not good. Be. Um, it's also the same, I told you, didn't I? It's the same video location as the last one we looked at. Yeah, um, they must have shot them all in one weekend, They I think. must have, you. And half the time, but I did know that half the time it looks like Nancy's lost, possibly looking yes. for the toilet or where she left her guitar stand. Both, I'm not sure which. Yep, yep. She got really weird, almost semi-boss eyes as well in that. It's not good. Not good no. That. And finally, just to round out the singles, number 59 is Just Like Paradise by David Lee Roth. Yeah, we mentioned the album Skyscraper, didn't we? This is off that. Great song, I think. Always looks like they're having a good fun with the video. It's very silly, outside Mm -hmm. of David Lee Roth climbing and flying around on on, on ropes. But I'll forgive it all for both the guitar playing, which is amazing, and the stupid guitar with its three fretboards. Oh, is it the three Uh, neck and the triple neck? Yeah, with a big giant heart, um, which... which, uh, Steve Vai is using in that song. The solo in it is very, very cool, but it fades away towards the end of the song, which is kind of a bit of a theme of that album. It's just, it's, and it's also really hard to play that solo. It's really hard, but there's a lot of echo on there. You're saying a Steve Vai, Steve Vai uh, solo is hard to play. I would never have thought that. Yeah. Now, the thing is, it's, yes, they are hard to play, obviously, because it's Steve Vai, but at the same time, if there's a lot of effects that have been layered onto that. And mm. the technique that he's got isn't isn't massively difficult. It's just, you know, obviously you've got a master playing with 18-inch fingers <laughs> and, and, got, in a yeah, You've got to play like an alien from um, Total there's, Recall. There's a couple of tutorials on there, but you've got to know how to, you know, make your guitar, make the sounds that his guitar makes, which isn't easy to do at the best of time. Anyway, however, what is interesting a little bit is that there was a TV show in the US many moons ago called uh, My Secret Identity. I don't know if you ever came across that. Nope, never heard of it. And the opening, the original opening titles of My Secret Identity have got a little bit of a... Uh, 
I think a nod to uh, Just Like Paradise. So when you get a moment, have a listen, see what you think. I think there's the similarity there. And also the guy that plays the young kid, well, the, the person who plays the young kid in in uh, My Secret Identity is the same kid that is Vern in Stand By Me and also in this Sliders TV show. Same guy. Oh, uh, oh, um, and he's in uh, Scream 2. Yes, yes, same guy. In Scream 2. Yeah, same guy. So it's quite, quite interesting. Um, but name. when you hear that, you know, you can't help something, my secret identity. It's very similar. <laughs> that is to, the same tune as Living on Paradise. Yeah, because it's principally the same thing. That All little right. bit, not the whole thing, but that. But have a listen when you get a minute and see what you think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll also, as we go into our next part, we'll hear something else that sounds like something else, maybe. But there you go. Anyway. There you go. That's your singles. Bit more, bit weird, bit strange. Some odd things going on there with red balls and what have you. Never thought I'd see the day. Never thought I'd see <laughs> it, I have to say. We're going to go wait, take a quick break after that lot. We'll be back. We've got four more games coming up. So we're going to get into them after this. So stay where you are and we'll be back in a bit. The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can Sarah find a way to escape for real? Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town, having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. And we are back. We've got four more games to get through. Um, hopefully this won't be quite as bleak as the first part, but you never know. You never know. Let's see what fate has in store for us. Well, the first one is a bit more of a up-tempo, maybe happier take on a budget title. So, Graham, can you uh, beat it? Do, 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 do. It's nothing to do with the Michael Jackson song at all. Oh. oh. This is Beat It. This is Beat It Jamming 2. Jamming too. Jamming. Jamming. We we'll hope you like jamming too. That one. Yeah. Not that. Jamming. It's 199. Epic from, I think, Mastertronic. Um, 88% is scored in the old Zapparoo. Coded by Tony Gibson. Gibbo! Was Gibbo did this? Gibbo! <laughs> Oi, Gibbo! Gibbo! Did you code this game, Gibbo? Gibbons! <laughs> Gibbons! 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 Where the hell are you? Um, the graphics are by Video Nices. I'm not sure who that is or why they called it that, but that's what it is. Rather than Video Nasties, so, I guess. This is a sequel to the 1983 game by Task Set called Jammin, which was a borderline incomprehensible game based around you playing as Rockin' Rodney with a similar theme of collecting musical notes and colours on a multicoloured series of levels and such. I think it was 20 in the original. It was, as you might expect from 1983, a bit basic, but there was the gem of an interesting idea and it was indeed very colourful. Okay. 1988 and out of the budget blue comes Beat It Jammin 2. Um, from the same stable, same people. The arcade-style mm -hmm. game follows a similar notion to its originating game. 
You again play as Rockin' Rodney, and here you must negotiate 60 levels, collecting the musical notes on each level that will complete the tune you are hearing in the background. Collect them all within the time limit, and you will move to the next level. Each level consists of a series of maze-like paths and single directional travelators, or uh, I guess travelators is the right word. I don't know, conveyor belts, I don't know, travelators. Yeah, conveyor belts, travelators, yeah, whatever. Yeah which create the puzzle-like environment you find yourself within. You scoot your way around using the paths, etc., to your advantage, trying to collect all the notes before you run out of time. Each level is also the home to several enemies, skulls, notes, stuff, etc., which will gradually work their way towards you, and if they make contact with you, you will lose one of your collected notes back to the maze, or the screen can go black, or you can have your control direction changes and reversed, or you can even split into two, lose all of your notes, and you are through. That's through. it. You're musically inept. You're done. The music's finished. It's ended. The concert's over. You're out of there. You're done. That's the game. It's a kind of an arcade-inspired kind of game based on a an old an old game. The graphics here are quite simple. A little bit bitty, maybe, but they kind of work. Um, there's a definite upgrade from jamming. Rockin' Rodney, however, has definitely gained some pixel pounds in this version. He's <laughs> he's he's, he's gone on the medium res diet on the C64, which means you're going to get a lot wider than well, you were. He's done what all good artists do, sort of thing, and put on a few pounds. And you know, he's got you know, he's had he's enjoyed the good life. He's gained a bit of pixel heft, um, but nevertheless, <laughs> the gameplay has a nice arcade feeling and vibe to it. Some of the technical details are a little bit wobbly here and there. It's a bit of screen flickering, filtering, a little bit of screen and and raster sort of scrolly sort of line flicker bad lines that kind of thing but all in all this is a bit of an it's a nice fun experience for a couple of quid i think the oral part of the game is a definite improvement over the first game which was kind of a bitonal horrific nightmare the kind of thing that you torture somebody with if you're trying to get them to confess <laughs> to something and this game at least the music is kind of tonally interesting um it's got in each level that you play has its own kind of sound and sort of theme i guess there's a nice vibe in all of this really and it's quite a nice idea for a game i think the implementation's just a little bit rough around the edges maybe but there's there's a playable game in here it's kind of fun because i had a little bit of fun with it in its own simple one screen level arcade logic and in that essence for two pounds beat it jamming two had something had a little bit of you know fun about it it's two quid at the end of the day i quite liked it i never played the original i did for this podcast i went back and got it and played it the original was kind of incomprehensible garbage it was horrible and a rainbow inspired nightmare of the kind of which would make you <laughs> poo rainbow colors over a period of several days this is much better it's a, it's a much better proposition and game much nicer took a few years to get right obviously but it pays off if you ignore the first one this one's probably kind of a good game all in all for two quid i liked it i quite liked it it was all right music might have been a little bit better graphics could have been a little bit better but it's two pound and it got 88 percent. all right i could go with that what about you um yeah pretty much the same it's a simple premise i thought it was kind of an i thought it owed a bit to pac-man style of maze collection sort of as in moving around the maze sort of thing is that kind of it's amazing it's a maze game sort of thing playing as you play as rocking rodney i thought rocking rodney's a great name by the way as uh, it's really sounds really dorkish but i quite like yeah, that yeah, name true. it's a good name uh, obviously because i associate rodney with only fools and horses um and, okay you know, yeah, and, yeah I get that. and rodney dangerfield i suppose um but rocking just makes me laugh you must collect all the notes on the screen to guess the next one yeah, it's, it's all right. It's made harder by the fact that traversal from layer to layer is only by moving squares, moving travelators, uh, conveyor belts. It's easy to get trapped on the wrong track and find it hard to get back because of the enemies milling about and the nature of the maze itself. But as you've rightly said, the graphics are chunky, but they're okay. 
they're easy to read. The music, I thought the music's quite clever in the way it builds up as you collect the notes, the different bits coming in. I thought, yeah, the entire premise is pretty clever. It's a clever take on the genre. Um, I never played this either. This was not one that I ever played, saw, looked at, and I never even played jamming either. I've just had a quick look at jamming. I didn't play it for this, but it does look like um, yeah, a game from 1983, that's for sure, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Big, blocky boldness, that one. Anyway, it's a bit clunky in the controls. It, it just didn't feel quite responsive enough, and, and the, the, it gets quite chaotic quite quickly, I found, on some of you as you progress through the levels. So I don't know if the controls and moving around are quite quick enough for you to be able to navigate the mazes as fast as you want it to be. Maybe it's just me and my old reactions, I don't know. Um, but I did like the concept. Good budget title, two quid, 60 screens. Someone I've read as well. I didn't see it on there. There's a Is there a, a level creator as well i didn't notice that there may, i didn't may notice have been, either i've just seen someone sort of notice just looking on lemon didn't 64 say anything in the zap review no i didn't see that either so um so this has got a level editor but i don't know maybe that's on the back side of the tape or something i don't know you know with all that though and um, it's a clever concept looks quite nice it's a good budget title certainly something to entertain if you were stuck in on a sunday afternoon i would have thought this was all right not sure it deserves 88 percent, but maybe at two quid and with a nice premise and 60 levels yeah kind of see why but yeah it's a bit of fun it's kind of what we needed <laughs> after, yeah. the, after the first, <laughs> well, first maybe, half a lot of games. You know, I don't know how it's going to help, but maybe. <laughs> we just need a bit of, you know, a bit of colour, a bit of fun, a bit of music, a bit of yeah, lightheartedness. I, 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 get, I get all that, but I know what's coming up, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. There you go, beat it, two quid, so all right. Not too bad. Yep. Let's move along, see what we've got in the next one. Okay, uh, this, Mask 2, 10 quid from Gremlin, Mask yeah. 2. Anyway, right, the, so the title screen tune to this is a version, it's a version. It's a quite good version of the cartoon intro, which is a pretty good yeah. version of it, I thought. Sort um, of. Even if it did, as I pointed out to you, because I, I was not aware of this person, but when it came on, I thought it reminded me really strongly of Gloria, Gloria. Yeah, it has a, has a few notes from very similar from the same. Yeah, sort of and so, there's also a bit in it as well. There's also a tuneful moment in it, the middle bit, which sounds reminding me of um, We Didn't Start the Fire as well. There's a bit of there in that. In yeah, there, yeah, there as well. it's, de- it's derivative a bit. Yeah. What it told me, though, was that I have no memory of Mask. It's not one of those cartoons that I, know, I have no recollection of. I've got a really good memory for theme tunes and stuff from the this 80s. This game isn't going to help you with that. Cartoon sort of thing. But I, well, no, I went to YouTube and watched because I thought, what, what is this theme tune? And then I listened to it. I was like, oh, it's the theme to, to the uh, get, uh, program itself. No, don't. It didn't bring any bells whatsoever. The intro didn't bring any bells. I don't think I ever watched it. So I don't think this uh, really stuck with me anyway. So that's, you know mask to mask it's all a, a much of muchness it's just eighties toys to me we you you went through what mask was when we did the original did, review yeah. the first one so yeah, i'm not going to yeah. reiterate that it is what it is. go listen to that review it'll tell you if you need to know about mask go listen to that one anyway this is as i said from gremlin graphic it's got code by jason perkins and chris kerry you know not the future night bounder guys the gremlins other team when sean southern's not making games for him so <laughs> it's the other team it's team <laughs> 2b I, whatever alpha b bravo team it's whatever it is um it's got visuals by steve kerry and marco Giro. And the music is by Mr. Ben Daglish himself. Um, so that's the team that made this. When the game loads, you're treated to the main intro screen. Uh, and that's straight from the intro to the cartoon. Um, as our five Maskians, I don't know what to actually call them, but Maskians will do, sit around a big table and there's a big tube in the middle. I don't know what it is. Someone, I did read what it was, some kind of hall of something or other. But it just looks like a big tube, big table where they get, obviously they get their missions from, whatever. And that's it. So the game just starts and it's, it's there and you kind of just straight into it. And you got to pick your three, 
you have to pick three of the characters. There's five of them sat on the table um, for the upcoming mission. Okay, so this game is mission based. There are three missions, um, and you have to complete all three. And you can do either any of them. So you pick which one mission you want to do. How you pick those missions though is weird and obscure and not particularly very clear. That's what I found anyway. Anyway, the, the people that you can... Tr- there's Matt Tracker. I'm not going to go... Th- these are characters. These are parts of the mask team. There's Matt Tracker. He drives the Thunderhawk. Um, there's Bruce Sato. He drives the Rhino ATV. There's Alex Sector, who drives the Rhino. Not the Rhino ATV, just the Rhino this time. Uh, we've got Brad Turner, who drives the Condor. And finally, Dusty Hayes, who drives the Gator. Now, you've got to choose wisely here, as each mission will need certain abilities, me, like being able to fly or go on water. So you need a good mix of abilities from the vehicles chosen. Otherwise, you won't be able to complete the mission that is set before you. Dotted in the three of the corners, so the screen is kind of taken up at the bottom. There's a text screen. This is the title screen. This is top left is this big picture of them around the desk, around the sort of central table. And I can't remember what's on the right, but it doesn't really matter. But in this big table picture, there's, there's three icons on it as well. In the top left, there's a four-way arrow. So moving up to that and pressing fire allows you to reselect the people for the job. So if you've picked the wrong people, you can just go there and it resets them so you can do that. Um, in the top right, there's just a big queue. And this allows you to select between the missions, I think. Um, because the mission you're on is just described at the bottom. So it goes, oh, the president has been kidnapped, or Venom are building a base in the jungle, or trying to mine some laser with some jewels in the jungle, or they're building a um, a desert um, base or something. So there's these three missions, but it didn't act it wasn't actually clear that those were the missions I was choosing. It just seemed to be randomly putting this text along the bottom. So I, th- I found that a bit confusing. There was nothing to actually tell me that, that that was doing that. But I, I kind of worked it out. That's kind of what was going on. And then the bottom left is a disc picture. If you go, just go to that, but be careful going to that. Because if you go to that, it just starts the just starts the game loading, the, the loading process. Painfully slow loading process because this is a multi-load game for reasons that are not particularly clear not to me anyway so you better make sure you pick the right mission and the right people if you hit that part in the left hand corner because it starts loading and then you're done for like i said there's three missions to choose from doesn't really matter though because they all amount to the same thing so whether you're rescuing the president knocking out a laser in the jungle or blowing up a base in the desert bar some different colors on the background of the game you've got to be doing the same thing in each one that's really what this game's about. Once the level is loaded, what you'll be doing is simply flying, driving, powerboating from left to right um, and tr- trying to do what the level asks of you, which you know might just be collect a big picture of Ronald Reagan, I think, at one point, weirdly, in one of them, and the, when you got to rescue the president. I don't know what you had to do after that bit, but you got to get him underground or something. I don't know. It's not very good. The first thing you'll notice when the game actually starts is that it looks... It's a bit rubbish. <laughs> To put it bluntly, the graphics are blocky and they're not that interesting to look at. Control is simple enough um, with left and right to move and fire to shoot. Um, If you press up on certain vehicles, it transforms them into flying cars or a flying motorbike or it turns it into a a plane or a helicopter or something or whatever. Whilst if you drive into rivers, then if you've got the the car that will turn into a boat, it turns into a boat. But don't go into the river as a non-boat car, though, as you'll die, and that vehicle is out of the level. Um, you can switch between the cars by pressing 1, 2, and 3. And if you press space, it allows you to restart the level, but I think my version was bugged up because I couldn't restart the level or go back, so I think it had a bit of a buggy, buggy crack. But it, to be fair, I just reloaded it and just tried the different levels. It's the same thing time and time again. But you can go back to base, choose different vehicles, you've chosen the wrong ones, so, so on and so on and so on. It's really crap. It looks awful. It plays terribly. I have no idea if this is close to the mass cartoon. What I can say is this is a 
poor, poor game. I've no idea why this is multi-load. None. The levels are not that big. And considering some of the amazing stuff we've seen in single loads, this ugly, poorly playing attempt at a shooter is no real calling card for the franchise. If you think of games like um, Sanction, Sanction, Delta, Whizball, Bubble Bobble, all those things we've seen crammed, Green Beret, all those things we've seen crammed into 64K, and this is three ugly levels on a multi-load that are not even particularly that impressive or anything. Ugh. It's poor to play and ugly to look at. The shooting's dull, the enemies are just careening nonsense, and the whole thing looks amateurish. Coming so soon after the first game, I can only assume this is another rushed release with little to no thought put behind it. They must, I mean, either they were developing these games in tandem, which they may very well have been. I didn't look into it. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But if this was like, oh no, let's get another game out. We've got the license. Then this clearly stinks of that. It's a bad game on all accounts by the rendition of the title tune on the main screen. It's certainly got, you know, Mask 2 and it's certainly got that number two that's for sure. Um, on the front cover of this as well, it, t- it says the title twice. Uh, I'd look at the cover for the case cassette. There's Mass 2, Mass 2. We're like, why are you telling me twice? I don't know. Rubbish. This was awful. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the Mask games. Maybe if you liked Mask, you might get something from this, but I very much doubt it because it's crap. What did you think? Uh, my initial thought was, Christ, this is shit. <laughs> um, what a weird and odd selection screen that you start off with, that kind of weird people sat around kind of a like the wheel, like a Michael McIntyre version, 8-bit ma- version of the Michael McIntyre you know, <laughs> yeah. game show, The Wheel, where you sort of select the three people to go to the mission and then hope in some manner that that will connect into the thing that follows because it's not immediately obvious what you have to click on. And when you do, it kind of just sort of hops and skips and then all of a sudden you're loading something and you're like, okay, is it broken? Is it loading? It's just a loading screen. Then eventually it sort of clumps into play. When you do finally get to the crappy game, it's a badly drawn nightmare and I've put in the vein of army moves. And when I say in the vein, I mean like a heroin injection in the vein. <laughs> like a really, no, like a nasty thing. It's not good. It's not, um, no. No, it's not. It's horrible to look at, bad to control. There's nothing enjoyable about it. Oh, it's nothing in, that's enjoyable. Really bad graphics. Really, you no, know, when you're, you're super scooting along as a vehicle and you change into a boat and it's just awful. It's really shit. It's, I'm not sure why or how it got released. I don't get it. I mean, if you paid full price for the first mass game, and then this one came along, and then you paid full price for this one. You'd have to be actually mad. You'd have to be insane. You'd have to be like, well, I really like the mask one. Really? Nobody's ever said those words. I'm going to buy mask two. Nobody's ever said that after that. Goodness me. No. Wow. It's a truly terrible thing. This is terrible game making. really is. There's no redeeming features here. This is clearly just trying to milk even more money out of the mask teat, which I didn't realize was a very full teat. I'm pretty sure this milk, the milk has dried up. This is just, I'm not sure what dust you're kind of squeezing out of this teat. It's nasty. It's all all nasty. Rubbish. Rubbish game. Ten quid. Thirty six percent. It's it's less percentage for for full price. Get lost. It's crap. It is. I crap. don't know what Gremlin are doing at the moment. They've they're very they've gone beyond hit and miss. This is just awful. Awful. Unless Sean not, Southern's making it for them, they're just no. It's not very good. It seems the licensing for this is just obtuse. It's awful. There is a Mask 3 coming, though. There's a third one. Well, you know what it's going to be. Awful. Don't look great. No, because people who bought the Mask 1 and 2 are going to be like, um, should I buy this? You know, the first two were shit. <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. No, you've been triple You've been triple punched. <laughs> From behind. You've been split wide and filled with pound coins by Pete Waterman. And nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody. nobody wants that. That sounds horrible. <laughs> no, horrible. It is horrible. It horrible. really is. That's uh, that's mask two, mask poo. There we go. Yep. Too easy, but I'm not. It's not beyond me. There we go. Right, we've got two left. Um, let's move on into our next one. 
Graham, let's take us out of this world. Out of this world. By the way, you notice that throughout the Andy Cap review, we never actually said Andy Crap. I'm quite proud of us for that. It's anyway. too easy. Too low-hanging fruit. That's what I said not in the last low, episode. Not as low-hanging as Mask Poo, but... <laughs> no, but Mask Poo, it deserves <laughs> to be done. Anyway, out of this world, this is a £9.99 game. Copyright is Reactor Software. The developer is Better Tech Limited. They sound really crap. They sound like the kind of company that makes really naff sort of home appliance assistance tools. Or cheap Record TV's, cleaners. Cheap yeah, TVs rec- you see in a supermarket. Yeah, supermarket exactly. Brand. That or, you know, what do. if you need to clean your records, you could use the Better Tech system. It's, just, it's up there with JML, I think. I don't know. <laughs> the coder here was Darren Watts, a.k.a. Daz, a.k.a. Dazsoft. The graphics are by Graph. Tech Quicks, whatever that is. Musician is Jason C. Brooke, but it's labeled as binary design in the game. Whatever. Confusing. Whatever. Confusing. Whatever. In this game, you are the pilot of an experimental fighter craft, the RP2-16, actually. Mm. And you are meant to be reporting on the performance during test flights. However, in the true Book Rogers style, strange forces stroke elemental stuff stroke perfect circumstances, have transported you away and you appear above the surface of a strange planet being attacked from all sides. Your mission is now to try and survive the eight horizontally scrolling levels of the planet and escape. As you shoot the enemy aliens, and just a thought, they may have just been trying to reach out in a language that's unfamiliar to you, that's based solely on the power of laser beams. They will drop energy pods, which could also be the last tiers of the aliens that you've killed. Anyway that we're just trying to say hello, maybe. I'm just trying to say, you know, not all is what it seems when you land on an alien planet, just like killing things indiscriminately. Anyway, collecting the energy pods will add energy to your RP2-16 secondary weapons, which will activate when you have enough energy to do so. They look a bit similar to the Delta weapons in the way they're sort of in the game, don't they? Do you think? Um, a little bit. <laughs> just you know, a little the, bit. In the bottom border with the kind of, they're exactly the same, what are we on about? Um, <laughs> they, only, they only activate for a short while, so uh, you've got to be careful with that. When you killed enough of the native aliens, an exit or an E letter will float across and appear. You grab that, then you go to the bonus level um, where you have to try and just survive as long as you can. And then it's on to the next level with even more alien genocide. You get six lives to try and traverse this nightmare of murder. Um, the graphics here are somewhat clumsily shaded medium res with fairly basic sprites and patterns for the enemies. You are at what looks like a mini sort of curled up frog green spaceship shooting at things the backgrounds vary from level to level so there's mountains forests trees and mushrooms in one to the snow-covered walled caves and snowmen now that led me again to thinking that the planet you landed upon by chance was not hostile because they make snowmen warring nations (laughs) don't generally do that so you've just happened upon this planet i'm just like killing everything they were just trying to communicate and talk to you in, in laser speak. <laughs> if if somebody can only talk to you in laser and you, you know, and that's all you, you know, if you're going to, no, it's just, it just sounds to me like you've just murdered well, innocent yeah, laser, I mean, laser folk. No one who speaks German could be evil to, exactly. uh, well, to, to quote the they Simpsons. Were, they were fluent in laser and you just interpreted that as, you know, as an attack. Anyway, the scrolling is smooth. The controls are reasonably responsive, although it had a really weird way of centering your spaceship all the time, which I found quite unnerving. Uh, yeah there is that but aside from that it kind of performs okay as a game i think the weapon upgrades don't really occur as far as i could tell it's certainly not quick enough or with any real urgency that makes them you know pertinent and they don't last very long anyway the game kind of meanders really i suppose the music's all right sound effects are kind of reasonable 
It's all a bit rote and a bit average and a bit boring. The bonus levels are stupidly hard, um, which I found really annoying. And the game does quickly burn through your lives when you get further into it. But it's, I don't know, it's not a lot of game for 10 quid, is it really, all said and done? And there are much better alternatives. Just go and play Risk instead, because we played that in the last, day, um, last we did. episode. We did. It's way better than this. It's a similar kind of vibe with a similar kind of graphics-ish. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot more. And it's the same sort of price. I think it might have even been a pound less. I'm not sure. But anyway, I didn't really enjoy this for what it was, because it's like a sh- it's just not great, is it? What about you? No, it's the control system, dude. The control system. <laughs> I, was, I, I messaged you about it. That's yeah, how angry it's not it made great. me. It's not, it's not good, is it? Um, well, so this is essentially, this is, um, it's, I've never played it, but this is Fantasy Zone, um, a version of Fantasy Zone by Sega, um, which was on the Mega uh, Master System, I think. Um, I never played so, that, never. Yeah, well, if you look at, if you look for Fantasy Zone, and then I believe you. It, you look at this, it's like, it. oh, yeah, you've just ripped it off. I mean, even down to the main ship design, it's the ship from Fantasy Zone. But I have, didn't have it to play, so I had a quick look on YouTube. Um, and it does seem to control look the same, but I'm not quite sure if it is the same. So the, the, I thought this, it's got a decent enough visual style. It's quite unusual. The sound's okay. There's the expected weapons power-ups, but it seems to be a lot. You choose them in Fantasy Zone. It's a lot, lot different. So the way they've done it here is weird. But unfortunately... The control system is so very, very annoying. The way that your ship moves about the screen, rather than staying central, just oh, it's a def- it's it's a defender style of game, isn't it? Bidirectional scrolling. So it needs you to be in the middle of the screen, and then the stuff that you need to. So that's where you stay. You stay in the middle <laughs> if you do playing this kind yeah, of game. Weird. Don't have to turn me slightly and then drag me across the screen and move me or i mean i know defender actually defend don't keep you in the middle does it but it keeps you to the right side i always had that problem with that game but think something like um uh, drop zone keep me in the middle of the bloody screen um we've moved on from uh, you know but defender you know i do the far right or the far left um and so you could kind of deal with that this is just annoying and also as well the stuff you need to collect when you're trying to angle yourself towards it kind of moves and reacts to the to your movement so you suddenly just miss it and then yeah, it disappears yeah. really quickly i don't understand why things bouncing are controlled by you turning it just makes no sense they're also really sluggish and turning makes things come to seem to make things come towards you quicker i just kept getting killed and oh i hated it i hated the control so much i simply wanted no part of this game if the interface between me and the game is so unwieldy I've no even, not even inkling of wanting to attempt to persevere with it. Not so much out of this world, it's out of their minds in designing this control system. Yep. Did not care for this. I found this really frustrating. It looks quite nice. And it looked apart. And I loaded it up and I thought, oh, okay, this could be quite interesting. But as soon as I just started to start playing it, it also reminded me, what was that other crap one? The really old ultimate one, Imhotep. Yeah, yeah, it had the vibes. It had, it reminded me of that. And, and you know, that's, that's never a good thing, is it? No. You never want no. to be reminded Being of Imhotep. reminded of a dog egg is never good. No, it's not. So out of this world, no, not for me. And the fact that, you know, they, they actually, there's a comment from somebody, Mr. Marmite on Lemon 64, where someone says oh, it plays like a fantasy zone. And then they put, of course it does. It was our inspiration. So whether that's the person who made it or not, I don't know. But I think yeah, inspiration maybe. is, it's, it's essentially, you've just made fantasy zone, but um, whatever it was, there you go. Fair enough. But uh, oh. I need to check out Fantasy Zone to see if it actually controls as bad. And then, you know, Sega made a bad thing and you just replicated a bad thing. So, yeah, annoyed me. There we go. It got 55% this egg as well. All the crap eggs seem to be getting half-ass scores. Mm, so. No, not for me, this one. Not for me, especially for a tenner. No, 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 no. Let's move on. We've got one game left. Let's make our way to that. 
we are in Canada for this one for the Winter Olympiad 88. So let's have a look at this. This was brought to you or brought to us by Tynesoft. It's got coding by Ian Davison, uh, Chris Murray, and Brian Jobling. Music by Wally Bebben. And the visuals are by Mike or Michael Owens. It's got good music. I'd say that. I like the music in this. Yeah, um, it's not bad. It's got a terrible title screen, though, where they couldn't, they've spelt, they've missed the A out in Murray and called Wally Bebbin Wall. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's really, it's not good. Uh, anyway, we really are, after last month um, with Bob Slay and last week, was it last week? Bob Slay and whatever it was, a couple of weeks back, we really are in the group of Winter Olympics fever with ice hockey and Bob Slay uh, being played a couple of weeks back. And now the full on Winter Olympiad. Or at least five events from the Olympia, the Olympics, whatever. So what are those five events, I hear you ask? Well, let me tell you. We have the ski jump. We have the downhill skiing. We have the biathlon. We have the slalom skiing. And finally, the bobsleigh again. Did someone say Winter Games? No? No? Shh. Don't say it. <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Anyway, uh, the game lo- when the game loads up, after the particularly poor loading screen, um, we are greeted by a Mountie. Because the game is in Canada. The games are in Canada after all. So who would expect anything different? Oh, it'd be a Mountie if it's Canadian. And you're asked how many players you want between one and six. After entering, after choosing how many and entering their names, you can choose their country. Whilst all the while that pop looks back. Or is it pop, pops back, whatever it is. Look, pops, look, pop, look, something looks back. The, C, the Ski Sunday tune is playing away in another version of that. It's that. It's the only tune we have to uh, for winter sports. It is like I think it's written into our it's the winter sports music. Yeah, it has to be played. We're then asked which events we want to take part in. This is confusing, <laughs> as a Y and an N flash really fast next to each one. And at first, I thought you had to hit the fire button when the Y was showing, but no, you just have to press Y or N to include that event. I don't know why they've done it like this. It's, it was like uh, I was like pressing the fire and nothing was happening anyway. So it makes uh, sense though. It does make sense, but just. But like, I suppose it does. I mean, and it's better than the uh, choosing them by random VCR screen, which which we saw in that other game. It's like they've trained their own game. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's what that's what it felt like. But it felt like because you see something flashing, you think, "Am I supposed to choose one?" But yes or no, I don't know. It just felt a bit weird. It's a strange word. Once you've chosen them, you choose all five. You get the first time the words "Winter Olympiad '88" appear in the game because you because uh, you're going to see that a lot as we see the Olympic flame. I don't know why. It's supposed to be the opening ceremonies, I guess. We just get the Olympic flame, and I didn't think particularly a lot happened. And then the first event loads in. It's a multi-load, as per most of these games, which is fair enough for most of these games are. So we get the first one in, and that is the ski jump. Um, And upon loading, we get our next glimpse of the words Winter Olympiad 88 (laughs) in massive letters, massive, before the event starts. So this is the ski jump. The view is from the top of the slope, uh, looking down um, the slope. You're looking down it, see from behind. And as you look on, a stupid, sexy Flanders figure saunters onto the screen. That's the only way I can describe this. It's and like he's out- wearing nothing at all. <laughs> yeah, that outfit is very figure-hugging, and his buttocks are very well-defined. <laughs> I laugh my head off. It's like, that's all I could think of. Stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> it's almost too defined, those buttocks. A stab of the fire button flexes the buttocks. It's <laughs> laughing at this. Sends the jumper down the slope, and another press at the bottom launches them into the air. Once airborne, you get a side-on view. You must move the joystick up or down to keep the ski straight. And then, just as you're about to press to land, you press left. Um, if you land successfully, points are awarded for style and distance. You get three attempts, and that's it. And next up is the downhill skiing. Again, we are greeted with the words Winter Olympiad 88. 
And now I'm starting to wonder if at this point this was a contractual thing where they had to put it on each event. So before pressing fire to start, again, the view is behind the skier, but this time not quite so sexy. They're a bit blockier, not quite so well-defined. Your job is to push forward to go faster, back to slow down, and left and right to steer. Through the sort of oncoming, pretty rubbish 3D trees coming towards you, essentially you just ski through. jump. And, well, yeah, I'll come to that in a minute, yeah. Uh, 3D trees coming towards you. Um, so essentially it's just a, it's a 3D into the screen, avoid the trees. You're just skiing through a wood. I don't know if that's how downhill skiing actually works. I'm not seeing that much. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You can also press fire to jump over any logs in the way. Once it's over with, you then strangely must press fire and then up to get to the next event. And it's the only event where you have to do that when you've got to get to the next event. I didn't understand. Anyway, up next is the biathlon. (sighs) Waggle, Waggle left and right to move through the six screens that look strangely familiar to another game we have played, but we shall not mention. Then shoot at the targets. Do this three times and finish. Oh, and don't forget it's the Winter Olympiad 88, as you're told at the beginning, just as it does at the start of the next event, the slalom. So this is seen from an isometric perspective, and your skier moves down the course from top right to bottom left. You must weave in and out of the flags by moving left and right, um, going the right side of them to avoid penalties. I think it's stay on the left of the yellow ones and on the right of the brown ones, or it could be the other way around. It took me a while to notice I was doing it the wrong way around. First of all, just going, meh, meh. You know, I was like, oh, sorry. Lowest score wins, obviously. So avoid, get lo- get those penalties, get down as quick as you can. Fastest time wins, that's it. Finally, we move to the bobsleigh in the Winter Olympiad 88, which it reminds us of once again. Two blocky and slightly squashed bobsleighers wobble across the screen, pushing their bobsleigh before we move into the 3D world of bobsleigh. You hurtle down the unending track. <laughs> Just went on forever and ever forever. and ever. It seems to bear no resemblance to the map on the side of the screen. You got steering to the corners like the game that we're not going to mention. Don't get too high or you'll tumble out. A tap on the fire button is your break should things start to get away from you. And that's it. Once done, if you manage to get down the unending track, it went on forever. I think I was, I was going down for about three or four minutes. It was still going. I was like, why is this not finished? Bloody endless. <laughs> once that, Once done, that's it. That's your Winter Olympiad. It's a strange game. It's very clearly very, very influenced by winter games. I mean, in, in, you know, libelously it slow. Influenced is one word. Yeah. <laughs> libelously slow and uh, so at times. But unfortunately, it's nowhere near as good as that game in any way, shape, or manner. The graphics are all over the place. There's no consistency from event to event. Stupid sexy Flanders. Uh, on your ski jump, I think he turns up again in, in one of the, in maybe in the third one. The biathlon is very similar, sort of, sort of high risk, right? The blocky bobslayers, the isometric look of the fourth one, the blocky 3D effect, the weird. It's all all over the place. The backdrops, some are nicely drawn, bit some of the animations in them, but there's no shading on them. It's just nothing. It's all. It's a very bitty experience. It doesn't hang together in any way, shape, or form. And to be fair, they should have planned this a while, but it can't be that this is rushed because it's not like they weren't aware the Winter Olympiad Winter Olympiad '88 wasn't wasn't coming soon. It was on the calendar. The prevalence of the word Winter Olympiad '88 is overbearing. None of the events are really much fun to play. The music is okay. Wally Bebbin's tunes are pretty good, in, and some tunes are better than others. But none of the I don't think any of them really suited the game at all, apart from the opening title, you know, Ski Sunday. It feels like it was rushed release to get it out in time for the Olympics, with only five events. It just pulls in comparison to the older and yet still far greater Winter Games. And even if that does have two skating events, you know, it's still got the, the, the ski jumping that's better. The bobsleigh's better because it's over in 20 odd seconds. It's all just better. The biathlon's better because there's only four screens rather than the boring six. And there's different things to do. It's up and down, sort of load your gun and stuff. It's, it just, it's better. 
I mean, we bemoaned the lack of a skiing event in that, but it's still a better game. The hot dog is way better. The graphics, the backgrounds are well-drawn. Winter Games is great. Everything here feels unpolished, and there's no real reason to go back to, to give this a look when the when the Epics game exists. I think um, was it one of the reviewers in Zap actually said some compilation is out for the same price, and it's got Winter Games on it. Just go buy that. If you're going up against Epics, the, you know, against one of the Epics greats, you've got to... You've, got to knock it out of the park you've got to be up there and this didn't you know and this didn't even find the entrance to the park to try and knock it out in the first place so no oh did i mention it was called winter olympiad 88 just just want to make sure you caught that because uh, yeah i got did, i got that i think did you did you get that all right so uh now this was this was not very good at all 66 percent it got i can only presume that's like 12 percent or 13 percent per event but it's, it's a mishmash of i mean the events work but they're not very enjoyable or good. Just go play Winter Games, for God's sake. What did you think? My first comment was, oh, Lord, why would you attempt this when Winter Games exists? They've called it Winter Olympiad. All right. An Olympiad is actually a gap between Olympics events. That's the, so, so the gap between them is the Olympiad. So oh. in like like a decade <laughs> is a 10 years. An Olympiad is the is the gap between the actual Actually, events. four years? Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Is, so. so not... not So Winter Olympiad 88 means 88. No, that's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it's the gap between the actual Winter Olympics. It's, it's just... An Olympiad is not a, a, a licensed derivative of Olympics, I think, which is what they've done. It's actually a, a period of time where nothing happens anyway, which is <laughs> ironic, really. Um, my question is, why would you attempt to do this? Why? Why would you do this? Why put yourself through the creation of this stupid piece of shit? There's some nice static type images here and there, like you say, backgrounds here and there. Okay. The main sprites, though, they're all pretty crap. And the controls are generally shit. Um <laughs> The events is a decent list because they've ripped it off another game. But the initial presentation, okay, it's kind of there. It's the, the way it presents itself, you're like, wow, okay, it's Winter Olympiad 88, I get that. Yeah, with the big <laughs> title, graphics, everything else. The music's good, though. It's when you get to the actual games themselves, all fall, falls apart very rapidly, doesn't it? The ski jump, for example, horrible. Janky animation where you go down the slope and get a dupe, 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 that kind of you know, judder vision. It's awful. Yep. No, there's no smooth scrolling or anything like that. No scaling of the sprite. It just it just reduces in size as it gets further down, which is bad. Then you've got that horrible flying part to control. Naff, awfulness. Then it's, uh, you know, it's not as good as the Winter Games variation. Okay. And then you get no. downhill skiing. Again, good music. Actually, quite good. Really good music in that bit. But it suffers from the same problem. Again, with the biathlon, same problem. Bobsleigh, same problem. It's just crap. Crap to control. Crap looking. Crap. Visually, parts of it are nice. Orally, okay, nice. Barley bubble, again, providing the goods. And whether the David Vine uh, is in is oh, included that, in this because he's in the instructions, isn't he? Or? In the instructions, maybe laugh my head off. Hi, Not I'm David, David Vine. Vine. <laughs> you might remember me from such Olympics as and this such, such Olympics. Yeah, but whether he's involved or not, all I was in when I was thinking about this game was eagerly awaiting the sun to come out and melt the shit out of all the snow, so that I wouldn't have to put up with it. So it was just you know not the Winter Olympics. Who'd pay for this rubbish? Why would you even contemplate releasing something that has already been done and done better? Read the room, game people. It's already out there. If you're not making a game that's better, don't bother. And don't forget, Winter Games was like, you know, winter, it, yeah, 1980, winter 1985. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's two and a bit years old. If you're not making a game better than that, don't do it. It's another shonky game with a stupid title, some decent musics, the occasional nice backgrounds, but that can't save this from being what it is, Winter Dog Egg. And it's like treading on a dog shit in the snow, isn't it? It's unfortunate, untimely, and unwanted. Be gone, snow demon. And that's my final comment. <laughs> yeah, it. indeed. I'm just looking at some of the graphics for Winter Games still. And they're, they're way better. Look, the backdrop on like the ski jump is great. 
for the hot dog in, the animation for the, the skating, the speed skating. The speed skating is better than this entire game. Just remember, this game is ultimately set in the period between Olympics. <laughs> so so this not is this is these are not measurable events. This is just amateurs having a bit of a goof. Yeah. Playing on the track. It's, it's just stupid. In stupid, fact, I'm just, stupid, I'm, stupid. I'm just looking at the uh, the main screen for w- w- the the uh, thingy screen, the opening ceremony screen, and the guy in the blue track suit that runs on and lights the flame in Winter Games is very similar to the uh, yeah. stupid sexy Flanders sprite. I don't doubt that they've borrowed a bit of... But of course they have. It's a rip-off, but it's a crap one. Just get lost. Stop it. No more now. Go. Be gone. No. Yeah. For poor, 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 poor I'm end. scraping this dog shit off my shoe. And I'm not happy about the fact that I stood in it anyway. <laughs> no, we can't see it in snow. That's the problem. Exactly. Don't eat yellow snow. Don't tread in dog crap in the snow. <laughs> no, because it just makes a horrible brown mess. Yes. And no one wants that. <laughs> no one likes brown snow. <laughs> <laughs> no, in any way, shape or form. It's the worst <laughs> slushy you can ask for. <laughs> brown snow. It's a horrible thought. Colour, do you want your slushy? Brown Red? Do you want red? Cherry? Brown? Cherry? Blue? Do you want blueberry? Whatever the blue flavour is, blueberry? No, brown. Oh, you want chocolate? Brown slush? You want a brown slushy? <laughs> you want chocolate? No, brown. Brown. I said brown. No oh, chocolate, God. just brown. Okay. It's going to be like one guy, one cup, but okay. <laughs> oh, it's not going to be icy. No. No. <laughs> Maybe a bit nutty, but... <laughs> oh. oh, this episode's gross. It's gone downhill rapidly, it went unlike downhill the game the, we just played. From the very moment we talked about the Predator pulling out Billy. Exactly. <laughs> unlike going downhill on this game, which occurred in three stages of crap sprite animation. <laughs> True, I suppose. Awful. There we go. There's Winter Olympiad. That's it. That's the eight That's games it. for this week. Um, I can only apologise. I don't know how yeah. the hell I'm going to tweet anything about this lot, <laughs> but tweet I must. <laughs> I must yes, say something tweet. interesting. Uh, it will be something anyway. So what did we look at? We looked at Platoon, which was technically clever and thing, but questionable. Questionable. Yeah, thematic, thematically compromising. Dubious. Yes. Then we looked at Super G Man, which probably your favourite of the bunch. I imagine wasn't it. I I really liked it. Yeah, because it's so stupidly simple and basic but yeah, it, yeah. It, it, when i was looking at the rest of these games it's not saying much is it when that's the it's, best one of the better not, ones no, really it's not um andy cap life in a northern town in yeah. late 80s thatcherite britain yeah andy crap <laughs> no, i'm saying it. It. I'm, I, no, I'm saying it i had to because it's you now i'm just going for low-hanging fruit now i've played winter <laughs> olympiad and i'm very disappointed with everything there was enough low-hanging fruit in that stupid, sexy Flanders sprite. <laughs> there was. <laughs> I could see all his low-hanging fruit. With, it, with his pert botox. <laughs> I yes. could see his proper dangleberries. Life Force, which I didn't mind, was, had an idea, but was mm. one of the best. Had a couple of nice yeah. ideas. Beat It, yeah. which was okay. Beat It was all right. Yeah. Colourful, yeah. And okay. Colourful and tuneful and okay. The arcade it never was. Yeah, Mass 2 was crap. Out of this world was uncontrollable. And finally, Winter Olympiad was four years of boredom. <laughs> Misnamed. Mask poo. <laughs> Mask poo. Yeah, out of their minds of Winter Olympiad. What we got coming up next week? Hopefully there'll be something better, but games oh, coming Christ. next week. Make it better than that. Well, we've got Hunter's Moon. Okay, that's you know that's a, that's okay. That's clever and that smart, good. which I reckon is going to be a uh, Jekyll and Wide. I'm very worried about that. <laughs> Psycho Soldier, uh, that's nightmare, average. 
Oh, that shot's even more average. Uh, I think Psycho Soldier is the follow-up to Athena. Oh, okay, that's not good. Think. Don't quote me on that, though. Albums. Uh, so we've got albums. Then we've got Inside Outing, which I think is quite a clever 3D isometric. It bast. is, but it was always better on the Amstrad. Maybe. Bad Cat, which I'm probably not expecting much oh, from. Flying Christ. Shark, which is arcade conversion, I think. And finally, Vengeance. That's our lineup for next week. Please, please come back. The sea of <laughs> average. Goodness. Look at, the, look at the scores. 37, 63, and 53. Well, we don't know. In those know last if three they, games alone. Correct. Until we play them. No, no, I know, I know. But I'm just like, oh, it's like, it's like if that's the preview. Just like, <laughs> like when you go to a movie and you get really boring trailers, you're like, oh, why wasn't there a good trailer? The adverts are better than the trailers. You're like, oh. I, know. I, tried, I tried my best to make. Some put some, but it's just well, a, you know what? You can only work with what you've got to work with. And that is it. It's exactly, you know, it's exactly what Jimmy Cranky says. <laughs> Demon out. <laughs> Marin! Um, okay, just to sort of say, as per normal, if you've enjoyed this and you wish to support us, you can do that um, in a financial manner. If you go over to patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past for the price of a pint of beer, you can get all the cool stuff. Join the Discord. Loads of good stuff going on there. High scores. You can get the episodes three days early, or two at least two and a half days early. You can listen to them over the weekend um, and all the other good stuff that's going on there. That's cool. So if you want to do that, you could. there's also uh, just uh, chuck us a quid. Um, and that's you know massively appreciated as well. So that's as that. I think that's about it. It's been one of those episodes, short but crap. <laughs> it's a lot of this stuff in here. <laughs> so the games are crap. The episode's yeah, been short but yeah, short but cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, on that note, I have been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham. Winter Olympiad <laughs> is rubbish. Raddings. <laughs> and you've been listening to Out of This World, Andy Crap, Mask Poo, or otherwise known as Zapped. <laughs> to the past and we'll see you again next week goodbye thank you for listening to the zap to the past podcast we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of commodore 64 games as well as the music films and tv from around the 1980s driven of course by the issue of zap 64 magazine published at that time we will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week until then if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of zap to the past and why wouldn't you they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.